Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. This is uh, Sam. I am Dennis. We are covering the pilot episode today, Genesis, uh, with the leap date of September 14th, 1956. The original air date was March 26th, 1989. Uh, It premiered on a Sunday night as a a special event, two-hour movie. And our guest this week is Jessica Conger. Hi, guys. Yes, indeed. Not only is she our guest for the first episode. She's also my wife. So. Your wife. <laughs> um, so we're very excited to have her. And uh, had you ever seen Quantum Leap before? I had never even heard of it until Dennis gave Sam, as a wedding present, a Quantum Leap book. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know what it was. And the book which she speaks of, which we will probably talk quite a bit about, is... We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes with a link in case anyone wants it, is Beyond the Mirror Image... The Observer's Guide to Quantum Leap by Matt Dale. Unofficial and unauthorized, but also extremely comprehensive, uh, full of information about the television show and uh, all of the surrounding ephemera, novels, comics, etc. And just to clarify, Matt does not know us. He is not sponsoring this podcast. We just really love his book. So Matt, if you're listening, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, So not only had you not heard of it, but you'd not seen it. And when was the first time that you watched an episode? Uh, yesterday. All right. And what did you think in a broad sort of way here? Uh, I liked it. I was expecting to not like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why, why is that? Well, Quantum Leap just doesn't sound very good, exciting, it doesn't really sound like my (laughs) thing. Um, Sam made me watch a lot of old Doctor Who episodes and, you know, I watched them. And Your mileage will vary. <laughs> so, and then I saw the giant book, and I don't know, it just didn't really seem like it would be my thing. I'm more of a, a fantasy than sci-fi person, so I was, I enjoyed it. It was better than I, I thought it would be. Excellent. Dennis, why don't you give us a, <laughs> start little, a little capsule here of the uh, episode? So to to broadly summarize the episode, it was a two-hour movie event. Uh, it shows uh, Sam's first leap, uh, first leaping into a test pilot in 1956 by the name of Tom Stratton. Um, Sam wakes up with complete amnesia. He doesn't know who he is, but he definitely knows who he's not. And he's not Tom Stratton. He doesn't have a pregnant wife, and he doesn't have a... 10-year-old child named Mike. He definitely knows that. So that is the majority of the first episode, but there is um, about a half hour at the end of the episode where he also leaps into a minor league baseball player in the late 1960s in Texas. So that's the broad overview of it. Yeah. The very beginning uh, of the show, of the episode, is interesting for two reasons. One, it's really one of the rare times we get to see what is to... Sam and Al, technically speaking, present day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't happen a lot. Spoiler alert. Um, but uh, it also uh, is is something that was cut out 
of the episode uh, from time to time during syndication and repeat airings when it was chopped into two episodes as opposed mm-hmm. to airing as one long episode. So it's interesting to think that some people would see Quantum Leap for the first time, perhaps, and not actually see this moment. Uh, but it opens with Al driving down uh, a highway in the desert uh, quite fast in his futuristic mm-hmm. Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, coming upon a woman with a flat tire. Uh, and I know that... Cool shoes. <laughs> yes. Really cool we shoes. we yeah. very definitely get an idea of what the future looks like. Yes. Uh, the, the, stems, what are, the, the stems of the high heels, I'm not sure what mm-hmm. those are called, Yeah, are, are lit up, her earrings are lit up. Al has that star badge. Star thing, which I, yeah, yeah, I have some thoughts on that Like uh, when we get to Star Cross, yeah. like what I think the significance of the star badge is. Um, but yes, he, he stumbles upon a... Or drives a car on a woman on the side of the road. A damsel in distress, if you will. Yes. (laughs) And um, we were talking about this before we hit record. Uh, We've lived with this scene for years. Jessica, what did you think of of this scene? Uh, I wasn't a fan of it right (laughs) off the bat. I thought it was a little cheesy and very sexist. I mean, to be clear, if if you've not seen this scene or this episode... Uh, why are you listening Al, to the podcast? Why you listening? Oh, yeah. But but Al comes in and I, the line is like, you know what I would love to do? Yeah, I would love to fix that flat for you, but I can't. Okay. I mean, and then she's like, it's your only tux, and you're late for your wedding. How can I be late? We just met. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it. And then and then it goes from there. She eventually gets in the car, and they speed off. Here's an interesting thing I didn't learn until the other day. To the oh, book, yeah, I was gonna say um, this too. For some weird reason, they overdubbed the actual woman's voice in that scene with Deborah Pratt's voice. Yeah. Two things. I wonder if, and this is purely speculation, I wonder if it had anything to do with the sound not being great because of the car engine running, mm-hmm. because they're outside. If that was one of the reasons they did it, I also question as to whether or not they were happy with the actor's performance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that could be a possibility because it's noticeable that not only is Deborah Pratt overdubbing for her, but Dean Stockwell has clearly overdubbed all of his lines as well. Um, yes. And all of the sounds of the car and internally and everything, that's clearly all post-production. Mm-hmm. Um so it's yeah, it's interesting to speculate as to why they ended up actually doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know for sure, but it, it it's interesting to hear her voice uh, as the character, just because it will be used later, later on. In yeah, the show. yeah. To, to not give away any right. spoilers. So anyway, so they get in the car and they're speeding off. And uh, to briefly summarize what happens in the scene, she sees some lights off in the distance. She is surprised by them. She, like, you know, what is that? And Al tries to dismiss it as sheet lightning. And she references that that's about where they set off the first atomic bomb. And yeah. there's still talk of a deep uh, or a top secret project out there, something with a deep space probe. And then Gushy's voice breaks through, saying that Sam has decided to step into the accelerator and he is leaping, and they are clearly for not that yet, not ready for that yet. Al turns to the woman, hang on, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Hits the gas pedal and speeds off towards the towards the project explosion and then we go into the into the opening moments yeah um and then so so going back just real quick because i i actually want to get more of jessica's opinion on this um one thing that we didn't cover uh not to go verbatim the script we won't do this but it is again since it's our first glimpse into this universe 
there's that moment where Al says to the woman, I'm a lot friendlier than that coyote. And she responds, that's what I'm afraid of. And then, of course, still gets in the car. Oh, yeah. Mm. I, I like that Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It seemed a little rapey to me. Yeah. No, right. I, mm. uh, and I think that today in our, in our society, in our culture, a scene like that, yeah, comes off vastly different to the majority of the audience. And I'm not saying that, you know, it didn't come off that way 25 plus years ago, but I don't think there was as much of an awareness or sensitivity perhaps to that. Um, and I certainly don't say sensitivity in a bad way, but I think what do you the, think? The overdubs of the voices also gave it sort of a wooden sort of, it mm. pulled you out like it was very obvious. And so mm. that added to you feeling weird about it. And so then for them to be in like the cheesy outfits, and I think I asked you like, when was this set? Right, right. And, um, and to have sort of, you know, it, sure, it's kind of funny, but there's still something about it that kind of makes you be like, ooh, like, okay, well. I remember saying like, even as a kid, and I, and we talked about this in the little preview episode that we did, uh, I came to the show late and then saw this rerun, like when USA Network started doing uh, reruns they did this as a special event yeah. so it was exciting for me to see this first scene because y- you don't see the future you don't see al as flesh and blood instead of a hologram very often uh, even taking out the problematic elements of it even then i thought the dialogue in this first scene was really cheesy yeah even as a 13 14 year old well I, and i will say that one of the things that it does and not in the most subtle or graceful of ways um Although because it's not necessarily made quite a, as big a deal of later on, mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy one of the aspects that helps to set up a bit of the mythology of the show. That Project Quantum Leap is actually located in Los Alamos, where the atomic bomb you know, was, mm-hmm. was first set up. That, so there's this immediate connection to the biggest scientific experiment mm-hmm. that was ever done in this country, in the history of our country, still even to this day that is in our awareness anyway. Mm-hmm. And and so they've immediately established this connection as putting it on par with the nuclear bomb, you know, mm-hmm. the, the atomic bomb. And, and so I think that that's kind of cool. Um, establishing that we're in the future of 1989 when the show originally aired, but not yet too far in the future. I think there's there's definitely a feeling of this is not flying cars and instantaneous space travel future of like Star Trek or whatever. This is this is something more immediate, something a little bit closer. Um, even though it's not really defined until a little bit later on in the show. So I think that setting up those elements is interesting. And then obviously we get, you know, the the two things that it does. You you nail who Al is right off the bat. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's not just this womanizing lech, but there's also this aspect of his friend is doing something crazy and immediately that's where he's going to be. Mm-hmm. There's no question. There's no, there's no, oh, I have to drop you off somewhere because this is a top secret project. There's mm-hmm. no, this is literally just, I have to get to Sam. Sure. And I think that that says a lot about who he is. I think we get the adventurous side of Sam, you know, the, the, that there is this part of him that's just sort of like, yeah, I'm just going to hop in here and do this. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the look on Scott Bakula's face as he's standing there. Oh, yeah, he's just, just a, like, yeah, yeah, a kid at Christmas morning. Right, you know, it's like, I'm doing this. Um, and I think that, the, you know, that those elements getting established like that just in those opening moments are very important for the show. Um, and, then, and then we get to what comes next. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting to hear I had forgotten that, that it was the place where the atomic bomb went off, because you kind of almost, 
you only see the two guys. So you almost feel like it's some little secret project that they've kind of come up with themselves. Mm-hmm. But that it actually, saying that's probably some big funded thing that's got... And, and the scene with the... I guess that's in the second episode, but... There are other yeah. people involved, so it's, right. it's easy to forget that, that it's just somebody who just sort of went rogue and, like, weird science to, like, this thing out of nowhere. Mm. But it's, it's not Doc Brown operating out of his, out of his garage <laughs> and, yeah. and, and twin, nay, Lone Pine Mall. Yeah, right? Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Uh, so, getting on uh, to the second scene, uh-huh. if we want to count the, the first scene as a prologue in the first scene. Sure. So, we are uh, zooming through the clouds um, during the introduction, basically, where they're flashing all the credits on the screen. Yeah. And we zoom in to a house, clock ticking backwards, and then one minute yeah. forward from da 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 4.59 a.m., 5 a.m., K. Sarasara starts playing on the radio. Sam wakes up, and instantly he says, we did it, did what? Yeah. I can't remember. Um, and it's... Very clearly we lay out, he, he's got complete amnesia of what just happened. Right, well, and but, but I think that the best thing about it is that Yes, he doesn't remember a lot, but he remembers enough to, like you said earlier, know that he's not where he's supposed to be, mm-hmm. eventually figures out he's not when he's supposed to be, that he's not who he's supposed to be. And all of these things happen in, in, in pretty rapid succession from that first scene. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, we would be remiss if I would point out, like, we get the first oh boy moment of the entire series when he looks over and sees... Uh, Peg. This woman next to him, who is yeah. clearly pregnant, who is very familiar yeah. with him, apparently. Well, it, it's interesting. I think it says something about who Sam is and who we learn to think of Sam being as the show goes on, even. He says, oh boy, before he even notices that she's pregnant. It's just the idea that he's waking up next to a woman that That's he doesn't right. know. That's right. And I think that that tells us a lot about who he is. That this, this is a guy that would never go to bed with someone, like Al. Mm-hmm. Al clearly picked that woman up. You know, mm-hmm. with the intention of going to bed with her. Sure. And whereas Sam wakes up with a woman that he's never seen before, and he's clearly like, "This isn't this isn't right." Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I don't know. I th- those little those little character moments that start to draw us in and tell us who who he is, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't know who he is himself, are, are interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So we get into uh, the bathroom scene, and he's lost. She pushes him into the shower, which he jumps in with his <laughs> quite high waistline underwear <laughs> on. And this is where we get the first mirror shot of yeah. the series, which is, it, it's kind of like a trademark of the, of the series. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, but I didn't think that guy was different enough looking. Because at first <laughs> I didn't even realize there was really anything different. That, as it went on, there was a couple ones maybe where the other guy talked and I noticed it more and I was like, okay, yes, he does look different. But we didn't really know his face very well at that point. And it was just, they had the same kind of coloring, I think the same color hair maybe. Mm-hmm. It was just so fast too that I was like, is that some, I know it's supposed to be, I can tell that it's supposed to be somebody else, but it didn't really, like when in, Interesting. later on when he has the, the totally blonde hair and he looks completely different, that one was a little sure. more, like that was a really cool moment. Mm-hmm. I think for the first one, I have a feeling like they were trying to play as safe as possible and with, with like the audience's imagination. Of right. Like, he's leaping into someone who is quite similar to him yeah. to not jar the audience. Like you could, much. you could actually see, you know, Sam fitting into this guy's clothes, mm-hmm. you know, not that that means anything necessarily, but sure. basically what you're saying, Jessica, I completely agree. There's like this idea that maybe that he's not necessarily so different physically mm-hmm. from who Tom Stratton is. Yeah. Um, those yeah, those initial moments though of disorientation 
are, are wonderful because I, I, I'm in the camp, and, and I know that some people might not necessarily agree with this, that there are points during the first maybe 20 minutes to half hour of this episode where even though he knows he's not Tom Stratton, that he would be okay with staying here. That because he doesn't know what's happened, because he doesn't really know who he is, that there are those, there's a, there's a bit of an internal conflict that he has with, if this is what I have to do, if this is who I am now, I will be that person. In the way that he acts with, you know, his son, in the way that he acts with Peg, in the way that there, I, that there's a certain element, I think, of who Sam is, that he will, he will make the best out of this situation. Mm-hmm. Not that, not that he thinks he's Tom Stratton, or that mm-hmm. he, you know, that this is where he's supposed to be, mm-hmm. but that if, not to get ahead of ourselves, but if Al never shows up, mm-hmm. I firmly believe that Sam would be able to exist as Tom Stratton. Um, Except for the part that he can't fly, but you know. yeah, I think yeah, other than that little, yeah, this, this thing. Um, so in this uh, this first scene, getting back to the shower, um, <clears throat> Peg comes back in, and and basically she starts to think he's not feeling well because he's behaving. Makes some reference like you're not going to fly if you're sick, and this is where he first really like he's expected to fly. Mikey comes running in, uh, saying that Captain Burdell is on the phone. One shock, he has a son, right? And and two. Uh, just someone being on the phone, it jars his memory that he remembers a phone number. Yeah. Which I know this, 555-2231. I remember this number very well because in the early days of the internet, at least for me, which was in the late 90s, 555-2231 was my password for all of my online <laughs> accounts. <laughs> Don't go try nice. hacking me now, listeners, because like, I've since changed that. Right, right. But yes, that was the, my password. That's great. Uh, so he gets to the phone, he, he tries calling the number, and then obviously the phone number doesn't work, and there's talk yeah. about too many numbers and area codes and how they worked. Yeah. Then because he's, because there he's, is no area code. It's yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like the Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was six, six, four, whatever. But the, yeah, I, I think that, um, that's one of those moments where the Burma shave between the Burma shave, which he clearly strikes something in him mm-hmm. and the phone number, he's starting to kind of realize it's like, well, wait a minute, not only where am I, but when am, am I? I? And that, that's what I, what I think is the creepiest thing about the scene is um, he looks over and the Howdy Doody is on the TV and, mm-hmm. the starts, and the theme song starts playing. And it's just this creepy moment, like a children's theme song is just like this creepy trigger. Like, like he definitely knows he is not when yeah. he is supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do we know, was that the year he was born? No, we come to find out actually in this episode that he was born in 1953, August 8th, 1953. Sam Beckett's. Uh, uh, this episode takes place in August Nin- of ni- no, no September 1956. Yeah, right. Oh, okay, so shortly after. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I think that those those when he goes outside immediately after that. Um, and we see the cars, we see the setting, we see the the plane, the plane zoom overhead. So we kind of get a, a setting of where we, of where we're at. Yeah. Uh, and then I think that it's furthered when he gets, you know, when he's in the car. The next thing we see, it, there's clearly he's struggling. You know, mm. I mean, he's got nicks from his razor all over his face. That's an interesting and, character moment. Yeah, doing yeah. The, the rewatch like this last week. Like, that just tells a story in and of itself. Like, yeah. he goes back inside, he's going to try 
to do something normal and shave. And even though this is someone who does look somewhat similar to him in build and everything, try to shave someone else's face. Yeah. Looking back at you in the mirror. I didn't think of that. It's, you know, the other thing that's really cool too is that I, I think what we come to almost expect from Scott Bakula as an actor, but... And, and, and I was like seven years old when I watched this. Because I, I, as many of you may have heard in the preview episode, I actually watched this when it aired originally. I, I you know, was seven years old and my mom had kind of prepped me that it was going to be on. She knew I was interested in time travel. So I watched it as it aired. And I have very, very little memories of, you know, the specific reactions that I may have had to the episode. But one of the things that's interesting to me now, looking back on it, is that it even right off the bat, Scott Bakula exhibits that ability to do comedy and drama at the same time. Uh-huh. There are certain moments in that opening scene where I feel like a lesser actor, if you will, mm-hmm. could have easily played it all for laughs uh-huh. or could have easily played it all straight and very serious and very heavy. And, through the work of, you know, I mean, obviously it, it takes a village in this case, but I think that his work definitely stands out and you get this strong sense of someone who, um, gets it, gets the whole, gets, gets what the series is about from the mm-hmm. get go, that there's going to be those moments of comedy, that there's going to be those, you know, those heavier moments and that sometimes they might sit side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the stuff that happens in the shower, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when he stands up in the shower and he's wearing his boxers, it's just sort of like, mm-hmm. It, it, it makes you kind of smile, and at the same time, the look on his face, it's just like, he's so lost. He's mm. so completely lost. Um, and I just really appreciate that, you know? I mean, obviously, having gone on to be an actor there for for a bit, uh, you know, it's really something that you can appreciate with his performance. And I think, like, what, Jess, what you were saying earlier about how the, that opening was a little cheesy in some ways, I don't think there's necessarily a lot cheesy about what he does, at least in those opening scenes. Not that I remember. I mean, there's still, like, an overall cheesiness to the whole <laughs> episode, mm-hmm. I think, and to different things that happen, but I think that's partly the the way things were done at the time. It maybe. is, yeah. And, it does feel a product of its times in a way. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he didn't come across to me as over... It didn't feel like he was trying as hard as they were in that first episode to really... Yeah. The first time, yeah. These are the lines... Mm-hmm. saying now right mm-hmm. you know one other thing actually that we didn't mention that i think is extremely important to the series as a whole is that another thing we get introduced to in our first scene with sam in the past is the voiceover and yes his voiceovers are something that will carry us through the entire show mm-hmm. and i think that you know looking at it from a production standpoint when you're doing a show that is, in essence, an anthology show, and you've got two characters. Now, luckily, there are many people that Sam can talk to, but the only people, the only person that he can really talk to is Al. Mm-hmm. And when Al's not around, he's still got all these thoughts and mm-hmm. feelings about what's happening to him. And there are some incredible moments that occur for him during... And one of these moments I'll talk about later, I actually took some notes on it, uh, that happens, is that he... He's able to match, they are able to match, the production team and the actor are able to match the voiceovers with what's happening in that moment, you know, th- that we see him on screen acting or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, so well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that it helps to, it helps us navigate the show mm-hmm. because 
he does, you know, he needs somebody to, to talk to. He needs, sure. he needs to express himself in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he can't express his thoughts and feelings in a particular moment with the character he's on screen with because they wouldn't know what the hell he's talking about and Al's not around, this narrative device works okay. really well. And I think the, uh, I'm not as familiar with Magnum P.I., which is another Donald yeah, Trump right. show. I think that is a, a signature of a lot of his yeah. series, especially in the, the 80s, that there is the main character. Well, voiceover and it's interesting because magnum pi being kind of a detective show like it's kind of harkening back to that mm-hmm. you know that sort of uh, but but then you have uh you have quantum leap which is not a detective show mm-hmm. although there's some mysteries so i don't know sure. uh so to, to move to move on uh so we're, we're in the car they pull over he hits on the woman which we, we talked about before we hit record like the the issues with with that scene from uh, from standards of today i guess is say it but from that we get the exposition that uh, they are test pilots for the x2 and that they're yeah. on their way to work and that's what they are that's what they are doing yeah today and then as we pull away from there uh with the 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 very long shot of the woman walking away with the extremely tight extremely short shorts um as they're driving on to the base um Al, or not Al, but Sam floats this idea that he has forgotten how to fly. And from that, we learn that the person that he has leaped into, Tom, he has a penchant for practical jokes. Hey, who are we going to pull this on? Weird Ernie. Which transitions us into the next scene. Yeah. Yeah. Jess? <laughs> uh, the whole... I, I got a little lost at that point, I think. I couldn't tell who was the practical joker, and... I couldn't, I was having trouble following, like, is, is he joking? Is this, I knew that he knew he couldn't fly, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't quite, I couldn't, the friend, and then there was like a couple of the people, I had trouble figuring out who was who and remembering. Mm -hmm. They all kind of looked sort of similar. Everybody was very white guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Aside from the women, the one who looks most different in these first few scenes is uh, Weird Ernie. Yeah. You know, Weird Ernie Please. disappointed me. He was not that weird. <laughs> and this is the thing, looking back, I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yes, doing the rewatch of it, I was like, he doesn't, and I wonder if that like that was just like an actor choice of whatever. Side note, yeah. that actor, Bruce, Bruce McGill, McGill yeah. he was one of the other actors who was up for the part of Al. Huh. Yeah. Uh, and and that would have been a very different choice. Mm-hmm. And I would have developed as a very different character. Yeah. Oh yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, would have been a little bit goofier. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting because a lot of the characters that I've seen Bruce McGill play, uh I'm thinking of MacGyver in particular, he he tends to be a little bit of a uh, a con artist. Um you know, he is a little bit off, but I agree he's not that weird. Mm-hmm. Um, other than, you know, having his, his war injury and tapping his head where mm-hmm. the metal plate is or whatnot, you know, I think that, um, yeah, there's not a lot that sets him, that sets him yeah. too far off the... I get the sense that they've pranked him a lot in the past. Yes. And he's very gullible. So it feels like maybe it's more of a nickname they've given him just to put, like, him in this place of, mm-hmm. this is the guy that's on the outside mm-hmm. that we make fun of and he's not really in on any of our jokes. Because mm-hmm. I think the other guy kind of figures out the joke and is amused by it right. later on, but he's mm. takes it a little more seriously. Mm, Which is absolutely. the interesting thing about about Bird Dog is that I feel like what you said, Jess, about they all end up kind of almost blending into one another, that's hard to tell them apart. 
is that he is an interesting character, and you do get a sense of, of him having a strong relationship with Tom. But, yeah, I, I think that one of the things, and this isn't, I wouldn't necessarily knock points off of the episode because of this, because there's obviously a lot of other work to do, mm-hmm. but you do almost feel a sense of, there's something missing, there's something I'm not getting here. And I think it mostly has to do with time you know, in the script, because I do think, I think the, the character, the actor is there. I think the relationship with the other actors is there. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's something about um, really making him stand out beyond some of these other, other characters, perhaps, um, and not feeling a little bit stereotypical. There, there is some, there's just a little something perhaps missing that, mm-hmm. that, that makes him stand out other than of course his lecherous ways, For sure. um, mm-hmm. which, which get called to multiple times. But yeah. then that kind of, I was getting him a little confused with Al, I think. They, they're very similar... Totally. Sort of Interesting. ...behaviors. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that I ever confused the two, but I definitely see the similarities between the two. I think that's why I had trouble making him distinct, because there was already else somebody that was distinct with that trait. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't ever remember... There's the guy that flies in the, the plane that goes really fast. Was uh-huh. that Bird Dog? No. That was the other... Tony Lamont. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's... Okay. Those He's the two one guys... That, yeah, the which we'll get to that in just sure. a second. But getting into the scene where we get to uh, to Edwards Air Force Base, which is a, a real base that did actually do test flights of the Mach two in uh, it, around yeah. this area, and I'll, I'll note that later when we get to the around the same time. In the episode. It's interesting how this parallels with real life. But we get into the base, and as they're talking, they just very nonchalantly pan past, and out for the for the casual viewer didn't see it for the first time. You see Al, yeah. Or this man who you ha- we haven't been introduced to as Al yet. But you see Al standing in the hangar wearing the same clothes that he was wearing in that first scene. Just casually watching this conversation. Yeah. And, and, and it's clear that when Sam notices him, that mm-hmm. he thinks that he's really there in the but room he's there. all of Because, I mean, he is dressed, I mean he, he's dressed as a tux, so, but he's wearing an overcoat, so he's kind of out of place. But everything is out of place right now. For right, you're right. Uh, and the issues that I have with this scene, we were talking uh, last week about how I don't know how the the first scene really fits in with the rest of the episode and whether it's not as absolutely needed. The problem I've always had with the first scene of the series is that it, Al's behavior in that scene does not match what he's doing in this first scene. Because if you go back, if you look at the first scene, his Sam has just left. You don't quite know what the relationship is. Sam has left prematurely, what the hell, he could get killed, speeds off to the project, but the first time we see Alan, this first scene, he is very calm. Yeah. Like, like this is, like, we're three seasons into this, and this is old hat. I, you know, in my head, in the, the, a, a term that I simultaneously loathe and love, my head canon, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, I think that there has definitely been some, well, we know that there's been, because Al says it later, there's been some time that has passed between the initial leap and him actually showing up, which mm. doesn't explain the wardrobe, but whatever. For sure. Um, so it, it, it's, I think that Al has probably had time to talk, you know, with Ziggy, to talk with Gushy, to talk with the committee, mm. to, that there's, that there's some sort of established protocol for what happens next, that there was probably some sort of established protocol between he and Sam mm-hmm. beforehand about what to do when this happens. And I, so for me, I, that doesn't bother me as much. I completely understand where you're coming from, but I think for me, I, I see it more as 
Sam is clearly going to be out of his element. He's clearly going to be confused about, about what's, what's happening. Um, and even though Al doesn't expect him to be an amnesiac, you know, it, it does not mm-hmm. expect that. I think that there's definitely a sort of a, um, I don't know what to expect here. Mm-hmm. And I think that, 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 yeah, Al thinks that he's going to know who he is and mm-hmm. know, you know, and that they're, that he's going to be able to talk to him and be like, Hey, mm-hmm. this happened, you know, ain't that a kick in the butt, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, but that there's still an element of, I don't know. I don't know what I'm walking into either. So mm-hmm. I'm going to play it cool. You know, God. I mean, he's... yeah, that makes sense. Cause I feel like I got the impression that Al knew what was going to happen and how his Sam's reaction was going to be. And he knew exactly what was going on and how they were going to fix it. It felt more like this is just standard procedure. And then as you go on, you're like, Oh wait, Al doesn't know either what's really going on. And there's all this stuff that's supposedly classified, but then he's revealing it all. And you kind of get the sense it's more of a mess than it goes back to being a mess. Like you thought it was in the beginning, but there mm-hmm. is a moment mm-hmm. where you feel like, Oh, okay. Like, sure, this one guy's confused, but everyone else is doing what they're supposed to be doing, and this is what's supposed to happen, and, you know, they've already planned for all this, but I kind of get the sense later on that they didn't know what was going to happen, and they didn't have any Mm -hmm. idea that he would totally forget, or that, how he could get out, or what was going to happen at Mm -hmm. all. And my my other explanation for this scene to kind of, like, rationalize it later is, like, we learn, to to skip ahead a little bit later in the episode, Al likes to drink. Later on we see him, he is clearly hungover. So part of me says, like, when he gets to the project and this has happened, he realized he just immediately starts drinking. And sure. so he's he's pretty toasted by the time he's standing in the imaging chamber and that's why that's, he's a, that's why he's able to be a little bit mellow. That's great, actually. Here. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, one of the things that I will say about the television show as a whole, uh, and, and I think probably one of the things that in retrospect uh, I certainly loved about it, is that it does give the viewer a lot of freedom to fill in the blank in mm-hmm. certain cases. Um, and, and yes, some things do end up getting made explicit, which is great. But one of the things that, um, that we will continue to talk about is that there, that there are a lot of things that are left very open, mm-hmm. um, for the viewer to make their own mind up about or guess about, and then maybe get filled in down the road and then maybe not. Uh, and I think that, that what's happening on the other side of the imaging chamber in particular mm-hmm. is definitely something that the audience gets to sort of fantasize about, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, which is cool. You know, I, I think that in this day, in this day and age in particular, I think we, we expect, uh, um, if a show sets up a mystery, it has to tell us what that mystery is by the time we're done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's entertainment in general these days. And yeah. that's not necessarily a knock because there's a lot of great stuff happening out there in television uh, in particular these days. But I think that there is an expectation of the audience. And when that's not met, I mean, Lost is a great example. You set up an expectation. And if the expectation isn't met, then it's very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this day and age, because it wasn't as serialized as television is today, you could set up an expectation and not necessarily fill it in. And, you know, and, sure. and, and kind of get the chance to, to make it up on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking so, yeah. of the imaging center. Chamber. Imaging chamber. chamber. Yeah. Uh, if they have that, then why do they even need to leap back into time at all? Uh, well. That, that's really interesting. So, um, to, to fill in some of the blanks, like you were saying, like, where a, a lot of the series leaves just up to your own imagination... Uh, the novels, which are not considered canon as part of it, but some of the novels fill in the idea that uh, it was never intended for time travel, that all they ever meant to do with the project was to have the imaging chamber to go back 
and observe the past and the time travel was an accident. Uh, I, I, I don't buy into that idea because it's very clear at the beginning and things we get throughout the series like time travel clearly was the yeah. intention. Sam wanted to travel um, through time without a doubt. Exactly. Uh, or in one of the novels I think it kind of plays out the idea that uh, as far as the government knew all they were doing was the imaging chamber. Yeah. Okay. Sam was withholding the fact that he was actually building a time machine yeah. because they knew that they would shut like actual time manipulation down. Or that it would be misused. Exactly. Yeah. But, I, that, but that is, that's a, yeah, that's a very fair point. Do we know if they had used the imaging chamber before or was it, how would they know that would work? Is it connected I, to him being there? Yes, because uh, they'll come in a later scene. Yeah. yeah, the thing, the thing is, I mean, we might as well, we might as well jump. I mean, we don't need to see that go like scene by scene. See my scene. So yeah. yeah, so to jump ahead very quickly, they go up to this. Uh, they go up in the airplane. Uh, they do a test flight of the X two. There is a scary moment where Sam is entrusted to fly the plane, <laughs> and and he totally, uh, he's going to crash the plane if Bird Dog doesn't come back and correct the problem. Yeah. Very quickly. Al yeah. appears on the plane momentarily, which, oh, which kind of yeah. wigs Sam out for a well, moment. Yes, yeah. yeah. No, and it's obvious no one else sees him. They do a, t- a test flight of the X-2, and long story short, um, there's the sound of, like, coffee percolating mm-hmm. uh, right before uh, Tony hits Mach 3. There's an explosion. Um, but not necessarily related to the fuel thing. It's actually because he tries to turn the plane at Mach 2. That's which, right. That's right. I forget, I forget yeah. that point. Yeah. Uh, so he shuts everything down. He tries to turn back for someone else to check out the the vessel, to the, the craft, to see yeah. if there was a fire. And that's when he loses control, and there's an explosion. Meanwhile, while all of this is going on, we're intercutting to the wives yes, having a conversation. And this is one of those like it being a two hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you get those like little character moments of there's just them like cutting to the wives having. Trying to make small talk and have conversations about their pregnancies yeah. when when their spouses are doing very scary things where it's it's very possible that they are going to die. And speaking of which, real quick, Jessica, what did you say last night when we were watching the episode about there's this group of pregnant women and what were they doing that you were like? The, when they were comparing their varicose veins or whatever they were doing? No, 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 the stretch marks, but no, 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 no. We, you, you mentioned the thing about them drinking coffee. You're oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, the pregnant women were all drinking coffee. And, uh, at one point she was drinking a beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll discuss more about that later. But yeah, yeah I was... Mm-hmm. I, at first I was like, wait, are they all pregnant? Because they're all drinking mm-hmm. coffee. Yeah, and so and, and so to, to go back, like, so... There, there's the explosion, and all the women come running out. And not to, and not to mock the show or its production values, but it is kind of funny. Every time I watch this episode, there's this funny scene where they all run out, and they look to the left, nothing. They look to the right, nothing. They look back and forth a couple of times, and then they look straight what ahead. Goes, there it is. <laughs> Big plume of smoke. How did you miss that for the last five seconds? Yeah. And then they, and, and then they catch the sight of Tony parachuting down. Parachuting down. Sigh of relief. Sigh of relief. It was funny uh, when I was doing the rewatch, and my wife Betsy, she just happened to walk through, and she was watching that moment, and you see him parachuting down, and the women all are all celebrating, and Betsy's like, "Don't celebrate yet." Like, <laughs> just because you see a body parachuting down doesn't mean he's alive. Right. He could have right. been hit by shrapnel. He, he could have been hit by shrapnel from the craft on the way down, uh, which they kind of oversimplify how you parachute out of the X2, which I'll yeah. talk about later when we get to the, to the second test flight. It is funny, though, because that moment does actually remind me of uh, the novel, not the not the film, The Right Stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first, like, 
you know, 30, 50 pages of the right stuff are, are literally about that, you mm -hmm. know, about what, when it goes wrong, what do you look for? Mm -hmm. When do you breathe that sigh of relief? The women waiting for the knock on their door that they don't want to get, mm -hmm. because that's the thing, you know, test pilots, I think it's something we don't think about nearly as much today. And we probably didn't even think about it at the time because there wasn't as much of a, an awareness, you know, nationally uh, about it even then from what I've read. But there was, there was a high body count, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I think that obviously Tony comes out unscathed and, and, and we're all, we're all good, but it is, there is that moment, um, that I think there's little character moments, like you're saying mm -hmm. for the, for the wives, they're, they're looking for that. Everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And it, and the nice thing is, you know, it's not even about my husband's okay. It's just like, we want to make sure whoever up there mm -hmm. is okay. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So, yeah. so to, so to jump ahead, he parachutes down and now we are at the bar. Yeah. We're at the bar. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and this scene to, to, to sum it up a little bit more quickly, um, during this scene, like Sam realized he kind of has an attraction to Peg. Yeah. Like, even though she's pregnant in the, kind of in the voiceover. Kind of a creepy fetish comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, 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 the other Quantum Leap podcast, Back into the Future, who are hosted by two women, like, yes, they, they had a very similar comment. To, to you know, I was, I was sweet, I guess, you know, I guess, uh, I, like, like Peg even says she feels very unattractive and he's clearly attracted to her, but he also says something about, like, well, maybe it's just pregnant women in general, I think is what he says, mm -hmm. which was, you know, okay. Yeah. It was kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but they do, you know, I will, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, I will say though that they do share a nice little moment when he asks her to dance. Um, you know, well, and then you start to get the sense that the guy he leaped into was kind of an asshole. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, you feel kind of bad for him. And that's like, what you it, don't well, want him to come back. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there is like between between the jokester and some of the way that he treats his life, obviously, from the comments that clearly he drinks a lot, mm -hmm. talks about flying constantly. And doesn't spend time with his kid who was a hit by a bus? Yes. So. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, yeah. yeah. We're gonna, yeah. So he's yeah. kind of Yes. To, to jump ahead. So yeah, the hit by the bus line later on. Uh, Betsy just happened to be walking yeah. through when I was watching that scene the other day. And she was sitting there next to me on the couch and she was only like half paying attention. And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything about that line. I'm just going to see if she catches it. And Peg says, she haven't spent this much time with him since he was hit by the bus. And Betsy burst out laughing. She goes, Jesus. Well, okay. And she was like, okay. how does a writer expect an actor to deliver that line? But, 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 but here's something that I want to bring up. And I could be completely wrong about this. But there is a part of me that wonders if Peg's not pulling his chain. Testing, yeah. Because the, the thing is, is that immediately prior to this, she started to suspect something's wrong with him. Mm -hmm. Now, clearly, she has no concept that he's this time traveler or anything like that, but there have been enough things that he has done, including the dancing, mm -hmm. um, and and offering to make a Caesar salad, and the stuff that happens in the car that we're about to get to. Yeah. There are enough things where it almost makes me wonder, is she testing him? Because there's not, even though she doesn't call him on it, mm -hmm. there's, there's enough there, or there's enough that's not there, rather, to still leave it in my head that maybe she, maybe that didn't ever happen. Maybe mm. Mikey never got hit by a bus. Mm, yeah. um, that, that being said, I, I still yeah. think that, yeah, Tom does sound a little bit like a jerk. Yeah. yeah. So so we're at the bar and they're dancing and Al shows up. Yeah. Uh, and I lo like rewatching it. Like Al walks in and he just had like this creepy cold vibe to him as he like strolls into this officer's bar yeah. in a tux. And he reminded me a lot. Uh, have you seen Blue Velvet? Yeah. Uh, he, he is in one scene in that movie. Yeah. And... He and Dennis Hopper were yeah. really close. And, and yeah. he is in this... Uh, just just go find the scene on YouTube. 
And it's just, he does this really creepy lip sync to Roy Orbison's In Dreams. And he's holding like a, like a stage light that's like shining on his face. And he's using that at his quote-unquote microphone. And he just like, kind of had that creepy quality yeah. in the scene. So anyway, so he comes in, uh, harkening back to something that Sam's earlier, like he's living out this nightmare. He's got to wait until the boogeyman There's got to be a boogeyman, him. yeah. Here's the boogeyman. So he sits Peggy down, uh, and this is a telling moment because he says, you dance once, it went out, doctor's orders. And when he says doctor's orders, like a little bell goes off in his head and that sounds yeah. familiar. So he goes over and he starts talking to, to Al. And this is the first time in this segment, not including the prologue, that you find out Sam's name. That Sam's name is said out loud. Yeah. Because he makes this comment about, am I dead? This is a reverse, carnate, a reverse reincarnation, entered in midlife. And Al says, that's a good one, Sam. Yeah. And he's like, you know my name. Like, why do you know? And then that's when they have the conversation and Al realizes that Sam has lost his memory. And you can tell, too, that Sam, or that Al, excuse me, is is pretty upset by this. He 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 mm-hmm. he has like it's 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 very internalized. It's not explicit, but there's definitely. I think he's almost hurt in a way, mm-hmm. you know, that it's like you don't remember me, you don't remember what we've done, you don't. I think that there's just a, there, especially in his frustration comes out mm-hmm. after they go outside. You can tell, yeah. But I do think that there's a nice little moment where he's just sort of kind of taken aback, like. You don't remember anything. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like at this early point in the series, like, they, uh, to not give spoilers ahead, like, they haven't really established Sam and Al's relationship just yet, so I don't, I don't know if I see that in there. Um, I, well, yes, mm-hmm. but I will say, and this is, and this is using something that, that we get told later, really, to inform what comes before, why on earth, if they weren't super close, mm-hmm. would Al be the only one who was attuned to Sam's brain so that he could see him in the imaging chamber? Fair enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just pick person X over here. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, you'll you'll be my connection. Mm-hmm. And and we do learn as the series goes on that there is a very close relationship mm-hmm. there for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Um But I think for me it, it's enough to know that Al's the only one that can appear to him. Mm-hmm. You know? That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, so while this is going on, we get this interesting shot. We see the scene from Peg's point of view. Yeah. And she looks over and she sees Tom talking to himself. And this is a... They don't do this throughout any of the series. And I'm sure... I feel like this is a missed opportunity, but it was also like from a production standpoint, this would have been difficult to do on a regular basis. I really wish when they had done these scenes throughout the series, when they cut away to someone else's point of view, seeing Sam talking to himself, I wish they would have used the other actor. Mm. I was thinking the same thing. So that you look over... Because like when you show those scenes, they don't show Al. Yeah, Al's out of that scene. You right. just see Scott Bakula talking to himself. It would have been interesting to show another and, actor. Yeah. Probably a production nightmare for them absolutely you know and, but, and that's yeah. exactly why and you probably have to i could pay them. i could pay an actor for one scene or i could pay an actor for seven scenes mm-hmm. you know yeah like yeah. I said, yeah that um yes but but no that is that is a very good point and it's something that i honestly don't know that i never thought of before honestly yeah, yeah. and it was like uh there's one that we brought up earlier too close for comfort uh not not that it's really essential to the plot of that book almost like just as a writing exercise there's one chapter in the middle of that book 
that for no real apparent reason, it just takes the point of view of another person in the story who notices that the person that Sam leaped into has been acting weird and this person walks into Sam or the person he's replaced like talking to himself. Mm. And even as she's having this conversation with him, he seems to be having this side conversation with someone that isn't there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Which uh, is, is something that I think is set up in, in this episode that does happen a lot throughout the series is there are times when he's talking to Al, but... It, it's, 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 it's like, it's, it's basically a three-way yeah, like three conversation. Episode, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, so we cut back... Um, Someone calls him out for talking to the man who isn't there routine. It gets him distracted long enough. He turns around. Al is gone. And he chases Al into the parking lot. And he sees Al not just disappear, but like open a wa- door. walk through like an invisible sliding door. Yeah. Which is a cre- yeah, creepy moment. And I don't know how much I want to say without giving spoilers to, to future episodes. Uh but just to say, I feel like earlier in the series they respected the bounds of the imaging chamber more than they do later in the series. Mm. But that was one of my favorite moments in the pilot, just because like you see Al like show some like emotion and like with the voiceovers like "What the hell? What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. There it is. Oh, oh. Yeah. It, it's a small moment, but I've always found that to be just a really cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I agree. Well, and I think that his that that's too one of the reasons why I was saying what I said earlier about him being a little upset uh, that this is the way that this is the hand that they've been dealt mm. as opposed to this is his friend standing there in front of him and it's like hey we did it let's figure out what we do from here mm. instead he's talking to someone who's almost a blank slate who doesn't mm. remember any of this mm. um and so i think that that not only is he looking for the door but he's also mm. you know he's also just i can't believe that this is where we're at for sure um, it's also worth noting this is the first mention of ziggy Oh, yeah. When he realized that Samuel lost his memory, he says that Putz Ziggy was right. Yeah. 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 And then he thinks Ziggy is actually gushy. Gushy, and, yeah. 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 So now we're on the drive yes. home, which I know you have feelings about this. I do. I do. And I will say, though, that we, uh, Dennis and I, you know, we, we prepped a little bit for you know this episode anyway. Um, and one of the things that I, I we talked about was this scene. And I, um, quite frankly, I misremembered some things. Um, because I, I think I got the scene jumbled a little bit out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love this scene. And for me, it is probably like my second or third favorite scene of the pilot. Um, and, and I think just to talk a little bit about the scene, he and Peg are in the car driving home, you know, Peg is kind of cuddled up to him. She's happy that they got to dance and, and, you know, um, She's clearly a little concerned. Like you mm-hmm. can get the sense that she feels like there's something off. He was talking to himself. He's you know he's probably setting up this gag, all this sort of stuff. Uh, Sam makes a comment about the um, following the stripes on the on the road mm-hmm. about yeah. how he wishes that they were there, and you know he's got lots of good ideas and all this sort of stuff. And 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 as he keeps talking, he frightens her a little bit more and more and more. And then he does this thing, which again informs that opinion I had earlier about how I think he would truly if he had to stay he would do it because that's just the type of person he is he immediately is like i'm sorry i've been acting like a big nerd i you know mm-hmm. and and because he, he tries to reveal himself yeah he tries yeah. to tell her that like i'm not i'm yeah. not tom stratton i'm mm-hmm. not your tom 
And, and I think that what ends up coming out of the scene is this sense of because of who he is, there is this altruism about Sam Beckett that if he had to, he would stay and live out his life as Tom Stratton. And he would love Peg, and he would love their unborn child, and he would love Mikey, and he would do, he would do right by them. He might, you know, die in a plane crash, but he, sure. he, yeah. would, he would, but mm-hmm. you know, given the opportunity, he would, he would stay. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that just tells us a lot about who he is. It's a very well-written, well-played scene. The little Burma shave thing mm-hmm. is, is, is nice. Uh, it, it also helps to set the time. Um, you know, there's just a lot about the scene to love, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we get some voiceovers there as well. And, and, and so I think that, yeah, I just think that it tells us a lot about who Sam is um, and what he's willing to do in order to make the people around him feel safe. Mm-hmm. That is interesting because it could have, if his purpose here is to make some positive changes when he goes back, it would have been also interesting to have somebody who was maybe not as an altruistic person, who was maybe not as good, and having to grapple with his sole purpose now is to make positive changes and do the right thing. Kind of an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting that that was the way that it went. I think, you know, it's two totally different stories, but... I, I guess I hadn't really thought about it too much, and then that idea just popped in my head, but... Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think that that scene um, in the car, the Burma shave moment, the moments with her, uh, yeah, they tell us a lot about who he is and, and who he's going to be and what we can expect from him. Um, and, and, you know, he even has that moment where it's hard for him. This mm-hmm. isn't easy. Like, yeah, he's an altruistic human being, but at the same time, he also recognizes that it's like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be, who I'm supposed to be. And no one gets that. Mm-hmm. No one understands where I am right now, not even the boogeyman who walked through the strange door a second ago. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's a there's an element of that that always has just kind of pulled on my heartstrings, that, mm-hmm. that Sam has these moments in episodes where sometimes it feels like he has to hide who he really is or Absolutely. explain yeah. something about... Uh, explains something away that he does, and it's just like it, uh, it's for some reason it's always made me just a little like mm-hmm. ah ah you know it's like mm-hmm. man that poor guy like mm-hmm. he's you know he's clearly a good person but he can't even really be himself yeah you know but in fairness he did put himself in this situation well but yeah no 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 that's <laughs> he, he yes. is the one who stepped into the accelerator prematurely and you know it's interesting because that is something that we will I, I think we will talk even more about for the following episode Starcrossed because mm-hmm. there are some very interesting things in my opinion that come up in Starcrossed that are almost a little contrary to what I'm saying right now. No, yeah, absolutely. And I and I and I'll live with that. Okay. I'll live with the For fact sure. that I'm saying what I'm saying right now and Weird. believe it. But yeah. also know that there's some Weird. things that happen yeah. coming up, you We're know. complicated people. Yeah. So we jump ahead from the car scene to a shot of the clouds. You know, yes. And it's weird, like, through this pilot episode, there's this motif that keep... Uh, the clouds are almost like their own character in a way, like, zooming through the clouds at the beginning of the episode. We have two shots in the episode where we kind of see the clouds moving in a, kind of a time-elapsed well, way. It's interesting the way that nature in general plays a part, because even the, the sheet lightning moment at the very beginning, which obviously isn't sheet lightning, mm-hmm. but the way that the clouds are even used there in that opening scene, mm-hmm. the, the you know, and, and especially as the show goes on, and even in this episode, how we discuss time, fate, God, you know, sure. all that sort of stuff, there's, there's an interesting play here about, uh, in my opinion, that time is is something that it exists that it is natural mm-hmm. that 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 there is you know that this isn't some sort of crazy 
concept that's high, high out there that exists mm-hmm. beyond the bonds of, of, of nature, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so I think that, that, that this mm-hmm. moment where we're getting this, this there, you yeah. know, the pullback is, yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, we go from the clouds to them laying in bed. The clock starts zooming forward, zoom out the window. We're kind of doing a reverse of what we saw at the beginning of the episode. And then we slam back in yeah. and Sam awakes with a start. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Jess, what did you think about this moment? Uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> and I guess, I think I figured it out before they said what it was that they were trying to extract him mm-hmm. and it wasn't working. Nice. Um, but I guess I don't have too much more thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. No. And that, well, that's just really interesting though to hear that because I think that it's it's one of those things that I kind of take for granted. Like, I, you know, I've seen, I honestly, I've seen the pilot episode, like, double digits, you know, yeah. I have. And so I know when that moment comes, and it's not remarkable, I agree. It's not something that you're like, oh, I remember that moment. Mm-hmm. But when it happens, it's just like, I take it for granted. It's like, oh, yeah, I know that that's when they're trying to extract him. Yeah. Um, but because it's not explained for a while, I just wanted to know. Like, I thought it was interesting. It's like, I wonder what she thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess... It might have been one of those things, too, where when he said it, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I know what he's talking about. Like, I can't remember. It's one of those, maybe it was hindsight's twenty twenty sort of thing. But, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, I do think that's an interesting thing, that they did try to do that, and you do see them, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to jump too much ahead, but I do feel like, kind of going back to you talking about him being a good person, and, oh, no, him not being able to reveal himself to anyone. Mm-hmm. After the end of this episode I kind of get the sense that like he's gonna have to do this like for the rest of his life almost and I and I wonder like that is kind of sad like you never get to be yourself again and you only have moments of your own timeline it sounds like you can only be in the years that you live maybe forward and back we haven't seen any forward yet but just do me a favor real quick and reaffirm something because I hope that there are people listening to this podcast that have actually seen the entirety of the show how many episodes have you seen of Quantum Leap? Two. And those episodes were the first two episodes. You've yes. not seen anything beyond that. Correct. Okay. I've, and I haven't done any reading or research. Like, I normally like to read and find out about a lot of stuff, but I thought it would be mm-hmm. more interesting to it Just, not. W- yeah. I, I mean, I, I think quite, to be completely honest, I think Dennis would agree with this. I mean, you said something that I think is, is kind of profound, actually. Mm-hmm. Especially in the context of the series as a whole. So, you know, we'll get there one day. Good points. But, but good for points. now, yeah, very, yeah. very, very good point. I Seriously. I'll come back someday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. So he wakes up yeah. after this uh, near extraction. And the interesting thing is he's like, okay, just go back to bed. Forgot the morning when I milked the cows. Milk the cows. Yeah. And all of these memories start flooding back. And we he get raised on a dairy farm in Indiana until he was 16. He has a sister named Katie. Carrie married Jim Bonick to jump back to the... Magnum PI connection. Yeah. Uh, Jim Bonnick is actually a character in Magnum PI. Yeah. Uh, so it creates this character that his sister Katie marries someone from then and and his dad died in seventy four. And this moment this moment is is probably in that same top three moments. Not number one, we'll get there. But yeah. it is definitely in a top three sort of moments of the pilot episode for me. And I think that it's the moment that I when I was watching last night when I was taking some notes it's the moment that sparked, you know, this this sort of the connection between the voiceover and what's happening on screen because mm-hmm. it's perfectly meshed, mm-hmm. and and it, and 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 it's it's a testament to Scott Bakula as an as an actor. 
Um, and, and look, I'm not going to sit here and overstate things and and, and, mm. and and say he's you know Olivier or whatever. Mm. But he, there's no denying that he is that he's very good. Mm. And 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 it could just be again you know the role and and everything else surrounding him mm. that perfect moment that sometimes actors get. Mm. But but he's doing some incredible work here, and that voiceover, the yearning. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this sense of yearning of just sort of like you get that piece of your past back mm. and then at the same time you realize that it is the past. Mm. And that moment when he realizes his dad is dead, you know, mm. and he realizes that his mom is living with Katie because of that. And we also get something that this is not hyperbole, that is literally one of my favorite pieces of music I have ever heard in my entire yes, life. Yes, this is this is, uh, this is the first occurrence of the home theme. Yeah. Which plays out a lot to this year. Like any, yeah. any, anytime like there's there's any kind of connection with home or Sam is yearning for home, the music that plays through this scene is that and music. It, I can hear that music mm. and I can think of many things from Quantum Leap. And there's mm. a few moments in particular that it that it that it draws mm. me to. But it's not just that it makes me think of those moments, it's that it provokes a strong emotional reaction. Mm. Like to the point where I, 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 I'm, I'm not on the verge of tears or anything mm-hmm. like that, but that given a little extra oomph, mm-hmm. tears Push would come. Edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that powerful for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and, and, and if that makes me sound crazy or like some no, big no, nerd no. or whatever, <laughs> then so be it. Says, but says this the guy is, doing you know, a quantum leap podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's that, it is that oh. strong and it is, um, it's, 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 it's a great moment. And I think that it's one of the things that again, you know, you get the sense of the, the importance of his family and, mm-hmm. and, and the past and, and that moment when he realizes that his dad died and, you know, it's, it's, it's just, a, it's just a great moment mm-hmm. in the pilot and, uh, and it helps you to identify with this character and want to root for him even mm-hmm. more than you already did, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we get the scene, he realizes his, his dad has passed away. He realizes he can call his dad. Um, he tries calling the operator. He realizes he doesn't know the number he doesn't know like the the connection or whatever they used back in this yeah. era and he can't remember his last name and he's clearly so he, very upset very upset hangs up the phone in tears and that's when mikey comes in yeah we're gonna cancel the fishing trip well, yeah yeah <laughs> thank it's like the saint king. yes thank you thank you for the exposition son right right yeah so and then we uh, he's, he's got a little cold and we're going to cancel the fishing trip. Well, nothing cures a cold faster than a yeah. fishing trip. Which is another one of those moments where mm-hmm. it's just sort of like, look, let's face mm-hmm. it. If this guy, if this guy was just a big jerk mm-hmm. who, you know, who wanted only to get home, yeah. hey, he doesn't need to go fishing with this kid. No, I mean, if, I mean, if, yeah, if we had like an anti-hero, if we had very much yeah. like a, this is not a, an accurate analogy, but like if we had like Ash out of the Evil Dead movies, sure. you know, he, or Sawyer no. from Lost, or, or Sawyer something. from Lost, yeah. like no, no, yeah. yeah, go fishing yourself, yeah, yeah right, or right, something right. like that, yeah, yeah, and, and so yeah, I, I think that it's just another one of those those sweet little moments that again, and I only say this because it's the pilot episode. If it was not the pilot episode, I would not say this, um, but he. I firmly believe that if he had to, back against the wall, he would stay there, and he mm. would raise this child, and he would be Peg's husband. He would do that. He would do mm. the right thing by that. Well, what would you do other than go insane? Well, right, or have a nervous breakdown and, and just go like set off and start living your own life. And even still, you're living a solid thirty, forty years. Yeah, 
in the past. So, <laughs> so what else do you do? Which is another great and, line and that's coming up, actually. Yeah, <laughs> and it's already shown that that he does have an attraction to Peg. Yeah. And, and so it is possible that, that yeah, he could uh, maybe hang up his flying days, but he could go on living this life. Well, can I bring something kind of spoilery up? Sure. Bit? Okay. So one of the things about that attraction to Peg, and if we're purely from the context of this episode... Mm-hmm. I stand by what we've just been talking about. Mm. But to throw something out there that comes in down the pipeline that we start to learn a little mm-hmm. bit about. No, exactly what we're talking about. Yes. He, at certain times, exhibits memories of the people, or not necessarily even memories, but mm-hmm. things of the people that he has leapt into mm-hmm. start to cross over into his own mind mm-hmm. and his own emotional being. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, is it's like, knowing that, is his affinity for Peg driven by the fact that he's leapt into Tom Stratton, or is his affinity for Peg because he genuinely has this... Mm-hmm. And, and then and then I think it, it goes on from there, branches off from there. Is his, is his own affinity for Peg because he's genuinely attracted to this woman, or is it because he feels some sense of duty because he has now become mm-hmm. her husband and she sees him as that, and so he has to live up to this expectation? So it, it, it's, it's just an interesting thing for me. Mm-hmm. Well, have you not seen any of the other ones? Is it also how the people are treating? So if you have, if you treat someone a certain way and they look the same, wouldn't you continue to treat them the same way? And then maybe you would react in a way that you reciprocate that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. is that what you thought I was going to say? I mean, just talking about like you said, like how they in future seasons uh, they do start to explore more of the idea that Sam absorbs a little bit of the person that that he has leaped into. I don't think. They don't state it so explicitly, and there's a there's another very small throwaway moment in Starcrossed, uh, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, that also displays like some of that like without even realizing it, he absorbs some of the person that he has yeah that he has leaped into. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that might not be even worth bringing up at this point because it's clearly not something that I don't think the writers or, or mm-hmm. the actors or anybody was exploring. But I do think it's just interesting and putting it in the context of the whole. Is it possible if I'm looking at it? From that mm. perspective, that maybe, you know, there is there there is this pull to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I have something major spoilery. I will tell you off mic. Uh oh. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> but so anyway, so we get to the fishing trip, and uh, Sam, in short, like he he fumbles the fishing and be able to fly fish. Yeah. He finds an excuse to get away from Mikey, basically. Who, by the way, seems to be a great fly fisherman on his own. Doesn't mm-hmm. need pops Doesn't to help need, him out. At I all. love the like, I know. <laughs> I know you're just doing this to make me feel yeah. good. Like God or time or something has given Sam such a gift with this first leap. Like everybody yeah. is so willing to give him a pass. Yeah, he has leaped into a practical joker, so right. that can be blamed on everything. Everyone is very nice to him. Yes, yeah. Yeah. it is a gift and not at all an act of laziness on the part of the writers. So, <laughs> right. So he goes off, and uh, so this is where he has his second scene with Al, who yeah. shows up very clearly hungover, wearing a bathrobe. Yeah. Yeah. And starts to kind of fill in some of the blanks. Blanks, yeah. So yeah. Sam lunges at him, he passes through him, and this is where we get the introduction idea that Al is a neurological hologram that can only appear to Sam. Yeah. Uh, which, again, I feel, and it gets reaffirmed in Starcrossed a bit, the fact that that's his guy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's the guy. That's the only person that has, like, these two. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, 
Al's the only person with the key to the door mm-hmm. that gets into Sam's world. And so mm-hmm. that for me, that's enough to just be like, there is there is a relationship between these two mm-hmm. um, that goes far beyond, you mm-hmm. know, I'm an admiral that works here, you're mm-hmm. a scientist that works here. Sure. We just happen to know one another. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So in this, I'm going to throw out an unpopular opinion. Uh, in this scene, Al pulls out, to me, what is my favorite version of the hand link? Oh. <laughs> It is very simple. It yeah. is very straightforward. They yeah. don't actually call it... I don't think they actually call it that until into the second season. So we're yeah. already breaking our rules left and right on spoilers. Uh, right. But the little remote control device that he has, which in this episode is just a clear piece of plastic that clearly has some interface on right. it. Um, and this is his hand link to, to Ziggy, to the, yeah. to the computer. And this is where we get the clarification in this scene that Ziggy is the, a hybrid computer... Gushy is Ziggy's programmer. Yeah. And through this scene, uh, basically the reason that Al is here is that he has five different scenarios that he wants to run through to figure out why they couldn't retrieve Sam this morning. So we get confirmation that this is what that was. Right. It was an attempted retrieval that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, in some ways, to me, it feels... And, and, until the end of the episode, anyway, it feels like the first real Sam and Al scene, as it typified is. by the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And uh, the you know even like the little little kind of conflict between the two of them mm-hmm. that will reoccur throughout the series. You know the idea that like sometimes Al will say something and Sam won't necessarily buy it all the way, mm-hmm. or you know, or, or or sometimes Sam will want to do something and Al will be like, oh, you can't, you know. And, and and so there's this there's this just interesting stuff that happens in the scene, I feel like that kind of more than any other scene in the pilot with the exception of some of the stuff that comes later, mm. uh, at the very end of the episode, uh, that I feel like kind of typifies the relationship that they Absolutely. will have throughout the rest of the series. Yeah. Uh, and, and like a, a side trivia note, this is the, the scene that the potential Sam's and the potential Al's read against each other. Oh, nice. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. It was this scene, uh, which makes sense. Cause it, it does. Kind of, it kind of sets up their relationship, sets up the rules. It's, um, well, and it's another example, I think, of the way that the show successfully, and not always, but in this particular instance, successfully uses both comedy and, and drama, mm-hmm. you know, in that same moment. Like, mm-hmm. the dramatic tension of the scene, you know, it, there, there are moments there where it's pretty pretty heightened, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like some of the stuff that Al kind of lays on him is, is, is fairly heavy, and yet both of the actors, I think, are willing to have fun with it, mm-hmm. and, and, and the script is willing to let them have the fun with it, and the direction, you know, etc. And so I think that there's, that, there, there's some moments that kind of make you laugh, while also are giving you big pieces of information mm-hmm. that are a little heavier about what might occur, yeah. what might come next. Yeah. So we get some big pieces of information in this, and we get that this is part of a time travel experiment that went a little caca, which yeah. is a phrase that they come back to a few times, <laughs> um, uh, that they have been able to locate Sam because Tom is in the future. Right. Yes, because Al clarifies when you went in, he came, he out. came out. If it's yeah. any consolation, his memory's full of holes too. Right. Um, and they, yeah, they, yeah. So everybody sees Sam and Tom as their respective uh, opposites, as it were. And this is a rule that is thrown out in this scene. And I've never, I've never liked this rule. And this was something like Betsy was watching the scene with me the other day when it came out. She's like, "Well, that's stupid." Uh, it's the rule where Al states that everybody in the time period has to believe that Sam, he is the person he replaced. Oh, yeah. To be I able to retrieve him. got the sense that 
he didn't know what the rules were and they made these rules and they thought maybe that would be the way he could leap out mm -hmm. because he doesn't do a good job of convincing people. Like when he mm -hmm. does the question and answer thing later on, he doesn't mm -hmm. attempt at all to disguise who he Ab is. Absolutely. And I feel like it was like the, the writer's attempt to like put some kind of stakes in there to insist like, this is why you have to behave like this person because if you don't, you don't get to go home. Yeah. And if, it, to me, it was kind of like placing an unnecessary rule. Yeah. I believed it. it as a rule at first, but then later on, I just laid it off as mm -hmm. this was, they don't really know what they're doing yet. And mm. they thought maybe that was an option because he's got, you know, the five scenarios. And I thought, well, maybe they also have these through. rules that might, let's, you know, mm -hmm. let's see, make sure everyone believes and then let's see if that helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, well, it, it, it does... I mean, the thing is, is that it does seem to be one of those things that as the series goes on, that Sam is at first always genuinely trying to fit in, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like we were talking about, even in our preview episode about mm -hmm. how that was one of the things that attracted us to it. Like he does always try to fit in. He does try to play with, by the rules, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that there's definitely, there are definitely times even within this episode where it's like, no, I'm going to do this instead. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, which I think we'll get to obviously soon enough. But one of the things that happens at the end of this particular leap, as, as Tom Stratton, he completely goes. Go, oh, go, he, yeah, he does something that there is no way that Tom Stratton would ever do. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's also one of the interesting things about the show and the whole premise about you know setting things right that once went wrong. He has knowledge that none of these other people that he leaps into, not just the people mm -hmm. around him that he leaps into have. Mm -hmm. And he uses that knowledge to help fix these things. Mm -hmm. um, which is also interesting because, no spoilers, there are other moments within the series where sometimes he loses that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting the way that they do explore that later. But I think that, I don't know, yeah. it's the, the, I, think, I think it is a little arbitrary. Yeah, there got to be rules because there are rules. At the same time, I think he does try to play by those rules. Mm -hmm. When you For can, sure. you know. Yeah. Well, is this what he says? Like, if you don't know, then we can't tell you? Yes, yeah. But then later on, he's like, eh, okay, I'll tell you what your name is. He so, breaks, yeah. I kind of put it in the same category. Like, these are... But also, I thought, well, if they didn't know he was going to lose his mind, then why did they make that rule in the first place? Because mm -hmm. it sounds like it was one of Sam's rules. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, it seems kind of... They, Arbitrary. Yeah, a little bit, mm -hmm. and yeah, maybe in this moment to sort of set this up to make it sort of, here's the moment we're finding out, and, but we don't want to tell you too much, so we're going to give you some rules to, mm -hmm. to it, hide it. Well, and to be fair, though, there is also something to be said for the fact that at this point, a lot of what Al is saying is later disproven, even within this very episode. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the theories they have about being able to retrieve him... Sure. Or, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, no spoilers for what we're going to talk about in 10 minutes from now, but there are definitely things that happen even within the context of this episode that blow a lot of these theories right out of the water. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yeah, it's writers trying to figure out what the hell we're What's doing, Absolutely. but I think there's also something to be said for the fact that that's exactly what the characters are doing. Mm -hmm. um, and not in a way that you watch, some, you watch, sometimes you watch a pilot episode of a show mm -hmm. and then you get to the second episode and everything's changed. Sure. Like. The, 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 the set dressing is different. The mm -hmm. name of the, the store that they work at is different. The, mm -hmm. You know, all sorts of things have changed. There's characters that are no longer there and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that Quantum Leap does pretty well, and that's also because the expectations get to be set a little lower because you got two characters. Sure. you got this premise where you're going to be bouncing around through time and space. That being said, I feel like it, it gives them the freedom to explore what they're going to be 
in a way that doesn't take me out of it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make me, when I go back and watch the pilot episode, think like, well, that's going to be completely different the next episode. Mm-hmm. Before they knew they were going to get the funding to actually do the whole show. You Absolutely. know? Yeah. For sure. So, yeah. So in this scene here, when we get to the end of it, the, the other key piece of information that we get is that they're going to try to retrieve Sam again on Tuesday. But Tuesday is late because he's scheduled to fly the X2 on Monday. Yeah. And re-watching it, like I've always taken it for granted, like watching the episode over and over again. Like this means that at some point in an off-camera moment, Sam is told he has to test fly the X2 on his own. And he has just been sitting with this knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then yeah. from there, we zoom off to the barbecue, um, which has some nice moments because there are... There are very clear moments where Tom is not Tom because, like, uh, there's like an airplane that zooms yeah, over his head doing a pattern. Room. And Mikey says, "What do you call that?" And he's like, "You have no idea." And Bird Dog says, "It's it's a chandelle, yeah, whatever that pattern is." And there are genuine looks of concern, uh, particularly from Bird Dog, like Tom is not Tom. Mm-hmm. What is going on? This prank is going on too far. Yeah, this is becoming suspicious. Yeah. yeah, and Peg and Peg has this moment like he goes in. Hit by the bus. Yeah, there's the hit by the bus moment, the Caesar salad mm-hmm. moment, you know, and and it's yeah, it's that moment where you start to sense that like Peg is is really freaked out and very concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's six months pregnant. Her husband is acting all crazy and weird, and even though he's trying to reassure her on occasion, now he's you know. And then there's the hit by the bus moment, mm-hmm. which is again. I don't know if it really happened. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to say, but Sam immediately is just like, oh shit. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, hit, hit by a bus. Yeah. I got to get right back out yeah. there. A different, a different show would have had Sam taking a drink of There's beer. Spit that <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. 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 Um, but then what happens immediately after that? She kisses him. Yeah. And, and when he walks away, like there's this moment of like, oh, he kisses different. Oh, right. and, and and yet at the same time, it's clear that it's not just a throwaway kiss. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not you know it's not it's with purpose. It, yeah. yeah, and and I think for I think for both of them that yeah, there's still this. Peg is is clearly freaked out, but I think there's also sort of a, a, a kind of like well, you know, and even and even Sam is like, I could do this if mm-hmm. I have to do this, I will do this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sort of moment. I don't sure. know. Yeah. Interesting. So from there we go to the scene where they're at uh, the Air Force Base and they're walked in and to jump back to something. Yeah, to jump back to something we uh, (laughs) we glossed over earlier that yes, that they are taking these memory losses seriously and that they've come up with a questionnaire. So they give them some questions. uh, We find out later, but some of the questions they throw out in the scene uh, Who is your second best friend in college? What's the coldest you've ever been? Where did you first make love? And that's going to come back later on, and we'll, we'll talk about the answers to those questions when we get to the later scene. Yeah. But the more important part is, like, he goes back out, he's looking at the X2. Uh, and this is a nerd trivia moment. Uh, the production team actually had access to to a craft that was very similar to the X2, but not the X2. And while though the average viewer would not have known, Don Belisario, who was in the service, yeah. he was like, I'll know. He was so a pilot. Like, yeah. Even, yeah. So what you see, what they're standing around is actually something like built out of fiberglass and another, like they built like a lifelike thing just so it could look exactly like the X2. Which, you know, that leads me to something that I wanted to talk about, I think, for the 
the entire episode, uh, and that we touched on a little bit before we started recording, the production values. Mm-hmm. Do you look at today, and we live, you know, we live in a world mm-hmm. where today you can watch a television show and they had a million dollar budget per episode, you mm-hmm. know, or a ten million dollar budget. I mean, you look at something like Game of Thrones, or you look, you know, mm-hmm. for its time, the care and 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 the money that went into the production of this episode was clearly very high Mm -hmm. you know they didn't skimp and yeah there's the stock footage that one could easily complain about and say it doesn't match up perfectly with the rest of the footage and whatnot but it was the 80s tv shows did that all the time Mm -hmm. you know i I, I mean and and couldn't get away with it as easily as like the six million dollar man could because it matched Mm -hmm. up better because it came from the same time period basically sure whereas we're using test footage or or, or stock footage rather that was 20 30 yeah. years old in some cases. Yeah, but I mean they um, actually did that a lot with older series. Yeah. They, I mean there's other instances in other episodes. Uh, there's another episode of uh, Quantum Leap in the 3rd season that takes stock footage out of Field of Dreams. Yeah. Uh, there's other, other movies. Um, earlier episodes like back in the 70s 80s like The Incredible Hulk like right. they would they would lift stock footage like out of movies from a few years earlier just for establishing shots. Yeah. And so it was something that was fairly common. And and so the thing that's interesting to me is that I feel like there's a lot of camera work that's done in this in this episode, in particular the way the camera moves at times, um, the the color palette. I, I mean, there's just a lot about the production values of this episode that even going back to it now, you know, almost 30 years on, that I'm surprised with. Mm-hmm. And while I think it's easy, and I want to ask Jessica about this in just a second, I think it's very easy to dismiss it in terms of what we're used to today. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that it's not really that much of a stretch to compare 1989 production values with, you know, 2003-ish production values of something like Lost and its pilot episode. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to make that comparison. Uh, I think Lost was more. I know the executive who greenlit Lost got fired (laughs) for greenlighting such, because Lost, I think, still to this day, it is the most expensive pilot in television history. And even though it went on to become a success... The executive got fired for greenlighting, and and again, I'm not trying to make a direct comparison sure. at all. But I do think that there's just something to be said, especially if we were to compare it with pilots of of, of other episodes of other TV shows around mm-hmm. that time. I think that this would this would kind of stand out in a way that mm-hmm. like you know they they really took some care into this, mm-hmm. and it's smaller in scale too. I mean, I'm not trying to say that they're you know I don't know. But but Jessica, your 2017 eyes, what did they what did they think about? you know, the, the production values of, of this episode? Uh, I, better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, so like the hologram stuff looked kind of what I would expect from something from that time. So it wasn't so bad that I was looking at it being like, my, that looks terrible. Right. Mm. But it wasn't something, obviously it doesn't look anything like things do today, but it didn't, it wasn't so, it wasn't so jarring to me as maybe some of the overdubbing was of the oh in the very beginning sure sure Um, which is a uh that's an issue that plagues all of quantum leap the adr the a lot of the like the overdubbing of dialogue either because they didn't pick up the audio clearly or they changed or or, or they changed a line or they had to overdub something because a part of a scene got cut and uh, the next line didn't make sense or something but yeah that happens a lot on a, yeah, as a rule, I, I, I don't like ADR at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's one of those things that, you know, some, some people can do well, 
but for the most part, I think if there's anything you want to do that proves that anytime you get a medium that's not theater, it's not an actor's medium, mm -hmm. it's to use ADR and something, mm -hmm. because you're basically taking an actor and taking them completely out of the moment, asking them to replicate something in a, you know, in a studio mm -hmm. with cans on their head, and it's just not, it's not real, it's not immediate, it's no longer in the moment, and I think that it's one of those things that a viewer, even, in, you know, even a viewer who's not aware, um, can, can pick up on, mm -hmm. they know the difference, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I don't like ADR. <laughs> yeah. So, for sure. So, in this scene, we're looking at the X2, and Al shows up again. And this is where we get the scene where we get the, the explanation of what string theory is in within the, in, in, yeah. in within the universe of quantum leap. Right. This string is your birth, this string is your death. I love the line where, as Al is pulling the string out of his pocket, he says, like, it's bad enough, we have to give, I have to give Dick and Jane explanations to the president. Right. I gotta give you one, too. And if you look at, like, if we are living in a very similar universe... As, as the Quantum Leap universe, and even though we haven't quite nailed the time period yet, we are safely in the Clinton era. Right. Oh, yeah. So I just, I love the image of Al sitting in the Oval Office wearing one of his weird outfits. Right. Uh, trying to explain string theory to Bill. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's really nice. I, yeah. I'm not even going to try doing a Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they explain that birth, death, tie the end together, your life is a loop, ball it up, the days of your life touch each other out of sequence. This is a rule that explains why Sam can only time travel right. within his own lifetime. Which was one of the ways that Belisario was able to sell the pilot, like, mm -hmm. production-wise, because he was like, well, he can only do it within his own lifetime, lifetime. you yes. know? So, because like, people why? were like, why isn't he going to leap into the 13th Medieval century? Time, yeah, so, yeah. And it's like, well, this is why. This is know? why. It was a, a clearly... Uh, I think I've used this term earlier, uh, talking about something else. He called it post-creative rationalization. Uh, you make up something for like from a practical production point of view, and then you go back and you explain it with some creative reason. And this is yeah. why. Keep him within his own lifetime, because you put him back in medieval times on a television budget, he's going to look silly. You pull out a 1950s car, give him a cheeseburger and a malt, boom, we're in the 1950s. Right, right. Um, so in this scene, we also learn that Al is standing in the is in the imaging chamber, he's in New Mexico, we don't know what year, but a line in the scene indicates Al is roughly about 40 years into the future. Yeah. And whereas Al appears as a hologram to Sam, everything that Al sees is a hologram to yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. And this is where we get the setup for the series, that uh, Ziggy's theory is that he's here to correct a mistake in time. And yeah. Tom Stratton was originally killed flying the X-2, if Ziggy's right, all you got to do is break Mach 3 and live, and you'll be able to leave home. Yeah. And brings on uh, what I will, from time to time, not every episode, mm. give my Al Calavici quote of the episode. <laughs> when he tells Sam mm. that if he does this, he will snap back like a pimp's suspenders. That's yes. right. A pimp's suspenders. suspenders. Yes. <laughs> yes, what do you think of this line? <laughs> I can't even remember. I think I laughed. Yeah. Because we, we were saying this before, like, off camera. Like, he says this, and he has another line, like, later on in this episode. Like, if I were just stumbling onto this series today, had no clue about it, if I just happened upon these scenes, yeah. my sensibility is such now, I think I would be immediately turned off by a comment. Like I, I would look a little askance at it, yeah. yeah. I'd be a little like, huh. 
All right. Uh, that this was uh yeah this yeah. was a show that existed. But but it but it is amusing. It does you know it does kind of make me laugh in the context and plus knowing who Al is and plus Dean Stockwell the thing, maybe one of the things that we should have talked a little bit about uh, and we'll fill in the gaps I think as we go along in particular over the discussing the first season is that Dean Stockwell uh, you know I've talked a lot about Scott Bakula's acting but Dean Stockwell is a very established film actor by this point mm-hmm. and not just in like ah oh, he had a 10 or 20 year career. Now this guy literally started acting in film when he mm-hmm. was like seven mm-hmm. years old, mm-hmm. even younger. I think I can't remember exactly. Something but like that, yeah. He was very young. And this is a guy that, you know, his career intertwined with the careers of many big Hollywood stars and sure. directors. And he worked a lot. He was very well respected. He was a part of like a, a crew of people that hung out together in the sixties that included himself uh, Dennis Hopper, Peter Fonda, Russ Tamblin, Neil Young. Like, they mm. were like a crew that hung out together. I mean, that's a pretty cool group of people to hang out together. And so, like, he sells so much of who Al is to us in a mm. way that doesn't feel threatening, I think. Sure. And not in a, not, you know, I'm not trying to say that he's like watering anything down, but overdubbed initial scene aside, I think that sometimes when he makes some of these comments or does some of these things, it, there's something about it that it makes it more eye rolling as opposed to I'm turning this off because I'm offended. Sure. You know, um, I, don't I don't know. know. If, I mean, like if I were to come across, I don't know if I'd be offended, but I, I don't know if I would be inclined to keep watching this, <laughs> this episode right, of television. Yeah. Um, so this scene, so getting this news of like what Sam has to do to leave, like he storms out. And so they, they go to another part of it, like the hangar outside. Yeah. Uh, and Al makes another comment, like slow down, I'm fighting a hangover. So this is the second time we've seen Al hungover in this episode. And what I love is like they throw out this idea that the second next best chance of retrieving Sam is him being at ground zero during an atomic detonation. Yeah. And I don't know if this was intentional or, or not, uh, but this is a reference if you are a huge Back to the Future nerd. The original script of Back to the Future had Marty driving the DeLorean into ground zero of an, of an atomic detonation to get Back to the Future. Yeah. That was the original script. And the reason why that was not the case and, and what the movie turned out to be was a budget thing. Yeah. They didn't have the budget for that. So they just simplified it of... Lightning strikes clock, the clock tower. Yeah, clock tower. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Save the clock tower. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, too, is that he tells him to, you know, to freeze himself so brain activity stops. Yeah. And Sam's like, that's that's called death. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I didn't say it was going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then comes the other comment, which plays into something we were talking about earlier, which I think was very funny, is that uh, Sam makes that comment about how, like, oh, I'm supposed to just live forever, is, you know, and, and I was like, well, nobody lives, lives forever. forever. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's this, there's, you know, I think that, we get this very strong sense that, you know, Sam is Sam in, in, in this, like, he's not some sort of weird, mystical being of energy just inhabiting somebody else's body or something like that. Like, this is a physical human being that, that can get hurt, that can die, that can grow old, that can, you know, that all of this stuff. So it's not like he's some sort of weird, you know, stuck in time, you know, person or, or or whatever, Uh, which I think is interesting, that little tidbit that it's just sort of like, oh yeah, this guy could die. Mm -hmm. And granted, it's, you know, the early 90s, late 80s TV, we know our lead star is not going to come to any catastrophic harm, mm-hmm. but there's still this element of just sort of, when he's in peril, he's really in peril. Sure. And mm-hmm. I think that that, I, I think that that's kind of cool to get that bit. And, and, and especially because we're following it up with the fact that I can't fly and now I have to go mm-hmm. fly this plane. Sure. Which leads us to something about Al that's really neat. 
that he's an ex-astronaut. It's like, I can be an astronaut, I can fly, I can, you know, I yeah. can do this for you. I got your back. Yeah. So to jump back, like what we've learned about Al in this episode, he went to MIT, so we assume that he has some kind of science background, mm-hmm. and that he clearly a womanizer. Yeah. And he's also an ex-astronaut. Yeah. So those are the three main things we've learned about Al. And he drinks a bit and he smokes cigars. Uh, smokes, yeah, smokes yeah. cigars and yes, yeah, and and he likes his alcohol. And you know, and, and again, this might be a little bit spoilerish, but I, I don't care because I think it's something that does get established early on. Is he dresses loudly? And what we find out as the show goes on is this it's is not the, just like it's not like this is how people dress in the future. It's like no, this is how Al dresses, dresses. in the future. Yes, <laughs> and so I think that that's something that again we don't really learn that until later on in the show. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of it's nice to know that like oh no, Al just dresses loudly. Yeah. And this is uh, like this is the first scene in the series where we get like a true Al outfit. Oh, yeah, first couple yeah. scenes, he's wearing uh, the tux left over right. from the first scene. He's wearing pajamas. Yeah. And the same, but this is where we get like the first like true owl. Right. What was he outfit. wearing? I forget. Uh, he's wearing kind of like a, a purplish blousey yeah. shirt, a fedora. Uh, it, it's very, it's, it's kind of colorful, weird. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. it's very mild compared to outfit outfits he is going to wear in the future. Okay. Right. But this is the, the first very owl esque outfit. Okay. So we get from this scene. Uh, we have another sheet, uh, another scene of the clouds moving in time lapse, and then we just have a very brief scene of the morning of Sam's flight of Peggy walking in and her reassuring him that he's going to be the fastest man alive. And she asks him to make a promise. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. That she won't tell him until after. It's like, what am I promising? I can't promise something if I yes. don't know. Right. Yeah. And my best guess is like, he's going to promise he's going to stop doing test flights after this. I thought it was or, that he'd survive. Yeah, that he's going to survive. Or he's going to survive. Yeah. Or you're going to get that tumor checked out because what the <laughs> hell is going on? <laughs> Uh, so we get uh, to the actual flight itself here. Yeah, yeah. And oh well, wait. Before we get to the flight, though, let's talk a little bit about the handing in the the questionnaire. Oh yeah. So before yeah. then, he hands in the questionnaire, uh, and he makes the comment like, "I don't know if this is going to really help you determine any memory loss, but it brought back a lot of old memories for me." Yeah. And we don't see him, but we just see the the other character. I know the actor's name, W.K. Stratton, but I can't remember. Uh, 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 Berger. Uh, yeah, Berger. Colonel Berger, yeah. Colonel, yeah uh, Colonel Berger. From his reaction to reading a couple of the answers, he kind of cracks up laughing and, and looks after Sam walking away like, you joker, <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, like, now you got that, us on that, this that, one. That like hand on the hip, like, this would be like his moment if like if uh, if this episode had like an opening 1980s sitcom montage. Like, that. <laughs> that's his... Ah, uh, moment. Yeah, you, you know one thing I will say too that that is uh, um, a hallmark of the show as it goes on, and not universally, which we'll we'll get into a star crossed, I'm sure. But the supporting cast is 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 pretty strong as mm-hmm. far as like filling their role, helping to tell the story. You know, having some authenticity, some honesty behind it, having you know good interactions with the other characters and other actors on screen. You don't feel like in this episode, I don't feel like there's anybody that sticks out like a sore thumb. I don't feel like I'm I'm looking at this episode and being like, well, they don't fit. You know, I feel like everyone really does fit well, and, and I think Berger and you know is, is a great and weird Ernie, you know, and, and even Berg Dog and obviously Peg, as we've talked a lot about. I think that they that they are all they're, they they mm-hmm. they they. You know, qualify that. You know, I I feel like they had a luxury with this being a two-hour movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, They could, they could take their time, right, with those moments. Yeah, and so and so the 
so let's talk just a, briefly about the questionnaire. We learned a couple of cool things. One, we learned that Sam was born on August 8th, 1953. Yeah. And so this is intercut as like Sam is getting ready for the flight. Mm-hmm. They are on the ground and they're going over his answers. And, and mm-hmm. we also, uh, Sam is stressing out because Al has not yet appeared. Yes. Um, but then the other thing we learned from the questionnaire is there are three things that they bring up in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, what did he... What was it? What, what, what's the actual question? Something about high school. Yeah, what inspired him the most during high school, or something and like that? Or what did he like most, most about difficult. high school? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and what he liked most was mini skirts. Yes, and what was most difficult was pantyhose. Pantyhose. Yes. Uh, and then when feeling lonely, I rent a video and microwave oh, popcorn. popcorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one was uh, something about outrageous. You know, something. Yeah. They don't. They don't say what the question is, but an answer to one of the questions is pet rocks. Oh yeah. 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 And we learned that he got expelled from college for streak. For streak, yes. So here's what I have to say about that. Mm -hmm. I absolutely buy the microwaving popcorn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pet rocks, sure, why not? Because he would have been, you know, the right age for that. Uh, I mean, a little older, but whatever. Um, Mini skirts, I buy because there are things that happen throughout the course of the show where you get the idea that, like, Sam would appreciate mini skirts, mm-hmm. you know, sure. and not in like some sort of like salivating wolfish mm-hmm. male sort of way, but just mm-hmm. kind of like, sure. all right, the pantyhose thing and the streaking and getting expelled from college mm-hmm. thing are not Sam Beckett they, as we get to know and that's him. We, yeah, they, they are not the Sam Beckett as we come to know later in the series. No. And I, I think a lot of this plays into the fact that I think Don Belisario had it much had much more in his mind the idea that Sam was going to be a more comedic character. Mm-hmm. And very early on, Scott Bakula made the push to make Sam a more dramatic character and be the straight man for yeah. Al shenanigans. And I think another thing, another use of this questionnaire, uh, aside just from learning about Sam in this first episode, uh, it, it's just a fun little storytelling bit where we get to hear these things that we take for granted by present day or by 1989 standards. Like, Microwave. Everybody knows what a microwave is. Sure. Microwave popcorn, whatever. And just like think about like 30 years ago, this is gibberish. Right. Well, to think about like if we put it into context of our time, think about somebody talking about a smartphone 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean like 15 years ago, I mean, you know, 30 years ago, who would have known that really? Everybody's walking around with a hand link in their hands. Yeah, right. Every day, essentially. Yeah. With their with their smartphone. So yeah. So yeah. So so yeah. I think that that, that that's some, some interesting interesting bits. Jessica, what did you think about the in particular the miniskirt and the and the pantyhose thing? And I'm not just saying this because you're a woman, but I but I am interested in that point of view because you know otherwise we're just two dudes talking about a TV show we love. Uh, I which was an alternate name for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was the stereotypical amusing high school boy behavior. So. It didn't really bother me or anything like that, but I did think it was interesting in the fact to think like, oh, pantyhose wouldn't have been around then, or they would have thought it was a strange thing. So I felt like the purpose of it more was to show sort of the anachronisms between the two different time periods mm. versus um, anything. I mean, it was a funny it, little it, moment. Inform what, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it's interesting to note that if you watch this in reruns in two part, they cut this storyline out entirely. Really? Which I don't think was a creative choice. I think it was just like for time, this the questionnaire only comes up in one, like one brief mention towards the end of the episode because it's a throwaway line that they couldn't just edit out of the scene because it's in the middle of other things. Hmm. Uh, so this questionnaire happened. So anyway, 
Sam is freaking out because Al is not there. Yeah. They load him in the X2. He's looking around like in his head with the voiceover. Where are you, Albert? Yeah. Uh, I think this is the only time in the series that Al is referred to as Albert. I think I think Sam does actually refer to him as that a couple on? of other times, okay. but very sparingly. Right. It's very yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so they so they drop him. He lets out Albert, which is amuses me because this is going out. Yeah, this is going right. out over you know over the days. Albert, like what yeah. the hell he's talking to himself? Albert. Yeah, and so, and so yes, Al finally shows up. Uh, first, they take care of the matter at hand, fire off rockets one and two, pull the stick back, let's get going, and we have this conversation where Sam nearly died because Al was at a ball game. We kind of, it was <laughs> a it was playoff a, game. It was a playoff game <laughs> in the Lakers, and I think uh, I didn't look this up before we started. Out of this, one of the authors in one of the novels was able to pinpoint the exact date of Sam's first leap, which I do believe is May 12th, 1995, yeah. uh, by putting the, the pieces together. Yeah. So that's an interesting uh, tidbit. I want to go back and look that up later. Yeah. So anyway, so now we have this flight going. Uh, we have this flight going on. I have to say, the, when he was about to descend, I, I was freaking out a little bit. Because I feel like he did a pretty good job of like seeming pretty scared. And I was just like imagining if I was in that situation, I would not have... He was going along with it. And I would have been like, nope, get me out. Like, he's mm-hmm. not here yet. I'm not doing this. Like, mm-hmm. I was like getting a little nervous. And then I... I think I made a comment when they were doing sort of almost video game kind of thing where he was like hit the you know the thrusters and then he was like follow my hand which I thought was kind of cool but then he's just like looking at the stick letting his hand out pulling it back and I was like hurry up you're about to die what are you doing like I would have been freaking out and like moving as fast as I could and I thought that was funny that he was retained a sweet old time I'm with him at this Yeah. Yeah. yeah Uh, so he fires off one and two, and we're speeding, and then we start to get the coffee perking, which we mm-hmm. heard earlier in the episode with Tony, and like right before they went in, uh, oh, yeah. Tony, Tony makes a comment, he was like, I smelled coffee I, brewing. I smelled coffee brewing, and then like, they realize like, no, he didn't smell coffee brewing, he heard, he heard it perking, yeah. and this is something I never really caught till like doing the rewatch this week, there was all this, there was this throwaway joke about flying faster than Mach 2 affecting your memory, Oh right! It did oh. affect Tony's memory. <laughs> he misremembered like a sm- like sure. a small little detail. He didn't yeah. smell coffee. He heard it perking, and then we find out that heat is boiling in the fuel, and that is why. Right. And so Al urges Sam to shut everything down, which Sam doesn't want to do because he wants yeah. to hit Mach three because that's the rule. Like he has to break Mach three and live, and that's what's going to allow him it to leap. Right, and you know it's interesting too because uh, at the same time, much like we were earlier in the episode, we're getting intercut with footage of Peg. But this time she's yes. alone, which I think is interesting. That's, yeah. Um, you know, she's by herself. What crappy friends does she <laughs> have? She hosted when Tony was flying right, the other right, day. Right, And now she's six months pregnant. Where the hell are they? Yeah. Anyway, well, I hadn't really thought about that. And and, and so, um, long story short, he, he does it. Uh, he ejects in time. You know, the he plane does down. explode. Peg hears the explosion, is clearly distressed about that. Sam finally floats down. Um, they they take him back for mm-hmm. medical evaluation. Yeah. So Dr. I'll, Berger is there, like, yeah. kind of checking him out. Yeah. Al is there with him. We get, you know, one of our first real examples of, like, kind of the... The three-way the, conversation. Yeah, um, you know, where, where Sam is really talking to Al, but the person that's actually there with Sam thinks that he's talking to him. And so it's like, he's having, like, these two conversations at once, um, which will become kind of a hallmark of the show. And uh, and then we arrive at the hospital. hospital. So before we get to the hospital, yep. I interject like uh, nerdy trivia. 
what the actual X-2 flights were like. So there mm, were two mm-hmm. test flights of the X-2 in September of 1956 uh, that somewhat parallel these. Uh, at this point, by the time they got to this point with the development of the X-2, they, uh, from what I understand, like they had resolved the fuel overheating issue. The issue was turning, maneuvering the craft higher than 2.5 or upper on the higher 2 point whatever. That was the issue. Uh, so the flight that happened that kind of corresponds with Tony's test flight earlier in the episode was considered a success. Mm-hmm. That pilot didn't hit Mach 3, but he hit a height of 125,000 feet, making him the first test pilot to get above 100,000 feet during a flight. And he did hit Mach 3, but he landed safely. Aircraft didn't blow up, and that went fine. Yeah. Uh, the flight that corresponds with Sam's test flight, we just saw with Tom Stratton's test flight, happened actually like... In late September, September 27th, something like that. And he hit Mach 3. He was the first test pilot to hit Mach 3. I think he got up to 3.25. And it wasn't the fuel overheating that caused the accident. It was that after he hit Mach 3 and he shut the rockets down, he started to get, the the pilot they think started to get concerned that by the time he glided down to a speed of like 2.4, which is when they decided was the safe point to maneuver the aircraft back, he was afraid that if he waited that long, he wasn't going to be able to maneuver back to where he was supposed to land. Mm. So he jumped the gun and he tried to maneuver the craft somewhere around 2.7, 2.8. And he lost control of the vehicle. Yeah. Uh, or the craft, which is what happened to Tony. Tom, earlier yeah, Tony, one. Right, right. Yeah, earlier one. And so they kind of oversimplify how ejecting from the craft works. Yeah. Uh, just for the sake of storytelling for the pilot. You actually eject out in an escape capsule, which propels you out at a high speed, completely away from the craft. One parachute deploys to slow you down there, and then you eject out of the capsule. Right. And what happened, uh, the actual pilot's name was like Milburn Apt, something like that. It was like a long name. Uh, He was able to eject with the, the escape capsule, the smaller parachute deployed... But for whatever reason, the parachute didn't work or he was just knocked out by the G-forces and he never deployed the second parachute. Yeah. And he crashed to the ground in the escape capsule and the X-2 crashed like five miles away. Yeah, and he, and he did not survive. Yeah. 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 Which set the X-2 program back like five years, something like that. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, that's one of the things too about the show that obviously we'll talk more and more about as we go along is the way that it does get to play in different kind of genres mm-hmm. because, you know, there's, there, there are films and, and, and other, you know, novels and television mm-hmm. series that kind of have played in this world. Um, and I think that one of the cool things about the show and about getting to leap into different places and times is that we do get to see, you know, we get to play in a lot of different worlds and a mm-hmm. lot of different, you know, sort of subgenres. Uh, you know, this test pilot sort of genre and, 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 and kind of, you know the right stuff and sure. that sort of thing. It's 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 interesting to be able to um, to see the way that it's handled mm-hmm. uh, within the context. Um, but he, so so yeah. So he he, he survives. He gets He's to the, the hospital, hospital, and we find out um, that Peg has gone into premature sure, labor yeah. um, because she you know the the she was under the stress for the explosion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that we should mention is that in during the three way conversation that we were talking about earlier, Sam is upset because he hasn't leaped. Because mm-hmm. he thinks that, you know, your whole plan was wrong. Now I'm just going to be stuck here. And uh, they get to the hospital. Um, and he ends up saving the day. And this is kind of what we were talking about earlier. Sam's knowledge 
medical uh, knowledge. Medical yeah. knowledge. As a doctor, he knows what to what they should give Peg in order to stop mm-hmm. the contractions, which basically make her instantly drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so yeah, they, he saves her, saves the baby. Um, they have a nice moment. Mm-hmm. And hey, fly boy, the squares are gone. Uh, yeah, want a boogie? And, uh, and, and, you know, and again, you get this genuine sense that if, if this means, if this is where he's got to stay, if this is what he's got to do, then so be it. It's also interesting because when he gives his knowledge, when he gives, you know, his medical knowledge about what can do, what can be done to save the baby and save her, uh, at first, you know, Berger and the doctor are just kind of like, what are you talking about? This is no time for this. And and that's when Sam kind of lays down the law and he's like, look. You have to believe me right now. Mm. This is true. What will this do? The doctor confirms, yeah, she'll get instantly drunk and the contractions will stop. And they do it. It happens. You know, the doctor even looks at Berger and he's like, hey, what do I even write? And then he's like, don't worry about you it. You don't say anything about it. Don't worry this. about Just it. Just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everything's going to go back to normal. We're not going right. to talk about these couple days where Tom was just acting weird. Yeah. Or all of a sudden yeah. he's got a medical degree, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it reinforces that sense where I think that if Sam had to stay here... You know, he's slowly but surely kind of making peace with it. He goes over to the window to wave goodbye, or not wave goodbye, spoilers, yeah. uh, where he goes to wave out to, to Mikey and let him know that mom's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the baseball the baseball comes up in the air. And we get and our we first trans- real leap transitioning yeah. into him catching a pop fly in the outfield. Yeah. Um, and now which, he is... I'll get into more in later episodes. I really feel like early on in the series, they had the intention that the leaps were always going to be connected in that way. Oh, interesting. And I will, I will tell why I think that okay. in, a, in a later episode. Yeah. Well, and one thing that we'll, that we'll get to, uh, well, we'll no, I'll save that. So, um, the, yeah, he's, he's now a baseball player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's cut this out. They're coming in, they're getting ready. His team is getting ready to go up to bat. Um, he has the, the moment with the dog, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is another one of those nice little pieces of, you know, my dad always told me... Straight that, farms were always common on the farm. Yeah. He would always tell me how to stare them down, which is horrible advice Show dealing with aggressive boss. dogs. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but it's successful. Mm-hmm. Um, no, because Al shows up. Al shows well, up and fights him down. Yeah. yeah. But the... Well, because the, the dog can see him. And the, the... You know, the funny thing is, is that at first he's like, why the heck should I have to do this? And they're like, because it's your dog. And he's like, oh, right. Yeah. And so he tries to do the thing his dad told him, and Al shows up, um... And then, you know, why am I here? Why am I not back, you know, back home? Yeah. So in this scene, yeah, I mean, we find out. uh, First off, like, even though leaping is instantaneous for Sam, it's been six days for the project. and They've They've been been, popping champagne. They they have been having just shy of an orgy. Right. At at Project Quantum Leap. Ziggy's pumping out dirty pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so did they think, where did they think Sam was this whole time during the when they're having that party, do they think he's just that he's just bouncing around in time? Yeah, I, well, and I think that the idea is too is that he's getting closer to them, like mm-hmm. that, that that he's that he's coming home. You know mm-hmm. that that it's just taking him a while to get there. Maybe that's good friends. That's well, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's an interesting. It is yeah. It is interesting too because I think that it sets the precedent up that you know there's there's every likelihood that again leaping is instantaneous as far as Sam is concerned, but it's not instantaneous for the project. Absolutely. Uh, that it takes them time to find him. Mm-hmm. And that's something that does get touched on later on in the series without any spoilers. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, how would they find him? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's a good question. How, we'll yeah, answer how, that later. For sure. Um, so it, it's, it's also interesting, and they, they kind of set this up here without, and it's a TV trope 
that I stumbled upon a couple years uh, or a couple weeks ago, and I can't remember what the name of the trope is. But the idea that even though Sam and Al are in two different time periods, once they do, once they do get a lock on Sam, their timelines run very mm-hmm. instantaneous to each other. So that you know, five hours for Sam is also five hours for Al if he leaves and goes yeah. and comes back. But yeah. That's a tangent. I mean, that yeah. makes that makes sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So anyway, so they've been they've been celebrating. It's been six days, right, for project time, and they have located Sam. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and now, so yeah, Al's telling them about that. They thought that they were going to celebrate. That mm-hmm. you know, Sam's like, "What the hell went on? How did this happen? Why am I not home? Um, how was I able to save Peg?" He has another mirror moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so this is speaking to earlier, like, yeah, he now he looks vastly different right. from, yeah. from the person that he... It was a cooler he, moment, I thought. From the person yeah. that he has leaped into. And he has, and we get and we get the second oh boy of the mm-hmm. series oh, as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. Uh, when he sees himself in the mirror. Um, and at this point, Al starts to fill in some blanks for him. Sure. Tells him thing about the six doctorates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of them is uh, medicine, Quantum obviously. physics, yeah. Because, physics. Because, uh, because Al tries to tell him, like, you're the genius mm-hmm. behind this project. And Al goes, no, I'm a medical doctor. I know what I am. At least I know right. that much. At least I know that much. And, and Al Clark's like, like, no, you're a genius. Doctorates. You have six doc- yeah. doctorates. Quantum physics was only one of them. And this is when he drops that if there's any person that can bring Sam home, it's him. He's the one. Yeah. And that, and Sam lamenting that he can't even remember his name, that's what emotionally kind of twists Al into dropping that his last name is Beckett. Which which leads us into, you know, I was talking earlier about Top three moments. Mm-hmm. This is easily the number one moment of the episode. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments of the entire series. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets on the phone and he calls home, mm-hmm. uh, and he and he gets to talk to his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a moment that you know, nearly thirty years on, uh, I can see it is, and it's a moment that's changed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why don't you talk a little bit more about I mean, that? For me, I, I yeah. mean, for me, like you know, viewing it. As a kid, uh, and, and understanding it emotionally a little bit, but not, you know, you do, it doesn't have the same impact as your kid, to be honest. And then viewing it after my dad passed away in 2002, and then doing the rewatch a couple of weeks ago, you know, watching it while I'm holding my seventh-month-old son. Yeah. 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 I Does mean, it make you just want to, like, call everybody you know and tell them you love them? That's kind of how I felt. Like, that's I a great like, question. Yeah. Take advantage of the times you have. Mm-hmm. I can see that, yeah. And, and both my mom and dad are passed away. Uh, so yeah, kind of like a, a tangent to your question. Uh, it does annoy me when I hear people griping about their, their mom mm-hmm. and dad or, or dodging their phone calls or something along that line. Sure. I just like kind of want to grab and shake them a little bit. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, I mean, it, it, it always gets me to tear up you know it even mm-hmm. did last night um i've seen it in the double digits and, mm-hmm. it, and it always gets me and you know it, it got me it, it got me when i was seven mm-hmm. uh i was prone to crying at such things mm-hmm. even at a young age uh you know it got me when i was 13 it got me when i was 20 it gets mm-hmm. me now that i'm in my 30s um the last time i ever spoke to my mother was in a telephone call you know and I've had I've had many times over the past fifteen years where I have thought to myself, you know, what would I what would I have done differently had I known that was the last time? Mm-hmm. 
so you know he gets this he gets this moment he gets this conversation with his dad he um he, he explains that he's uh, the son of his father's brother Some... who went to Australia, which is something that he doesn't even know. It's his dad fills in that blank. His dad's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, yeah John, Uncle John lives in Australia. Yeah. You know, you don't have an Australian accent. Mm-hmm. I travel a lot. Uh, you know? Sure, yeah. Bu- bu- um, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, you know, through it all, it never loses that, that emotional weight or the impact, and Scott Bakula uh, just plays it so beautifully, and, uh, you know, with the knowledge that he was most likely doing that alone. You know, maybe there was somebody feeding the lines, like you know, on the like sound stage, a or something like that. The other line. Yeah, yeah, but 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 it wasn't necessarily like a scene. You're working with somebody else, you For know, sure. and those tears are real, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah. there are times throughout the show when tears might be assisted, if you sure. will. But mm-hmm. the, these are clearly real, and um, getting that sort of the the absolution of not going to to Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. you know, being told that it's okay, um, and then getting that that moment. Well, furthermore, not only saying it's okay that you don't come to Thanksgiving, your dad will understand, but then his dad invites him to come to their family Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mom's pie took the blue ribbon 10 years yeah, later, yeah, that's you right, know? Yeah. Um, which also reinforces, like, he's a small-town kid. You know, he's a farm boy. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. And and then uh, and then he has that moment, which really clinches it, uh, I think, for anybody who's emotionally involved at this point, if you don't lose it by this point, mm-hmm. this is what will put you over the edge, is he, you know, he says, I love you, Dad. And, um, he, says, he says it. He mouths it he ma- silently yeah. as they're hanging up. I mean, yeah. there's definitely he he says it like there's it's, there's it's vocalized. It's not completely silent, but mm-hmm. it's definitely away from the receiver. Mm-hmm. It's more meant for his him. Dad has a reaction after hear whether he hears it or not. His dad definitely kind of looks at the phone with a a look of, of like that was yeah. Something. Either that yeah. was a confusing phone call, or maybe maybe in a way he did hear it. Yeah, uh, but and then he turns to his kid. Who speaks with the voice of, of the Scott? Adult. Of, 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 of <laughs> the adult? Of, yeah, they yeah. may have like manipulated the voice a little bit, yeah. bring it up, but not yes, that was that was a cheesy moment. They're like, just just trust the audience; we'll understand. The yeah, voice. yeah, yeah Sam. Um, and then he has this great moment as he as he's walking out of the uh, locker room where he looks up and you know he says thank you, um, and it's just this really nice moment because y- you get this sense that whether it's time, fate, God whoever, whatever, uh, it's acknowledged, it's real, there's this presence in, in the universe in Sam's mind, mm-hmm. there's this higher power, mm-hmm. um, and he attributes the, the fact that he got to make that phone call to that higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've said before, off microphone, that it's almost, this leap is just ostensibly about the baseball game. It's really to give Sam an opportunity yeah. to call his dad. right. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and then this wonderful thing happens, and it's like, it, it, it's this transformation in a way, because all of a sudden there's this confidence, there's this acceptance, mm-hmm. there's this, hey, I'm going to do this. You sure. know, maybe this isn't the, such a bad gig. It's a very uh, Boy Scout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he even says, he even says, who knows what I can accomplish before I'm done. Mm-hmm. And it's just really, it's really cool. You yeah. know, it's just kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is a guy I want to follow. This sure. is a guy I want to watch. For see sure. what he can do. I want to see what he can accomplish before he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's it's a really nice moment. He's you know definitely got this sort of renewed sense. He's you know he shares a little sort of moment with Al mm-hmm. um, because Al was the one that gave him the yeah. knowledge. I was. I wish call. I would jump back. We kind of glossed over. It's like we, sure we do get the uh, the update from Al is what happened to Tom in, in the previous leap. That oh right, I'm that, sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that the baby survived. Yeah. They even happened to name the baby. Samantha, Samantha, yeah, and baby that girl. It, it seemed like some higher power 
wanted them to come through. Which important because Sam has gotten the knowledge that yes, he did make a difference in the yeah. Uh, which is also neat, neat too because uh, there's there's kind of like that um, you know that that bait and switch moment where you kind of think that it's about the you know saving Tom. In, in the plane crash, but it ends up being just as much also about saving about, the, the unborn child mm-hmm. as well, sure. which is really nice and, and something that they play with throughout the series. Um, so yeah, so he's got this renewed sense of purpose and vigor, and Al's all like, you're going to get up there, you're going to strike out, and you're going to move on, and, and Sam's just like, no, I'm not. And it's like, that was what Tim Fox did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and he, he shares that nice moment with the coach. Yes, uh, it's and that like is particularly... That was a, a little touching for me, just by coincidence. The the coach bears a strong physical resemblance to my own dad, mm. so they just they have like that, that that shared moment of we know we suck. Yeah, <laughs> let's not be the most suck. It's like, this, is, this is my this <laughs> let's is, this let's is not the come in the road for me too. Yeah, so let's, so not, let's not, not. Yeah, well, and it's great. It goes back to what I was talking about with the supporting characters and the actors that they bring on board. He, he's got this small little moment, but he just does a really wonderful job with mm-hmm. it. You know, it's just this really great little piece of interaction. And uh, you know, again, now that Sam's got that renewed sense of purpose, he goes out there. Al's like, "Here's what I got." No, I'm not. He gets up to bat. And the coach has earlier said that he's going to find the, the next player who swings at the first pitch $50. Yes. So what Sam does not swing. But what happens? It's a strike anyway. It's a strike. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, that moment is funny because the pitch is so fast. Can't, yeah. Sam doesn't even get the opportunity to think about swinging. Well, and there's and that. And the coach thinks he's following orders. Like, no, like the. The guy just pitches that. And there's that even that quick moment before he steps up to bat when Al is like, do you see that picture? Who mm-hmm. does he look like? Uh, which is funny because it's been said, uh, you know, in other websites and other places, etc., that the pitcher is supposed to be Tom Seaver, but that mm-hmm. doesn't work out because of the timeline. I personally never thought it was Tom Seaver. I always thought it was supposed to be Nolan Ryan, which fits out with the timeline because Nolan Ryan was actually sent down to the minors because he hurt his arm and he was in the Army Reserve, etc. And so he had to go back to the minors before he went back up to the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always thought that that's who it was supposed to be because he kind of looks like him. He's got the the K, which is obviously you know the team's name where they're from, mm-hmm. but he was also the strikeout leader. You know, he was yeah, about ready to hit five thousand strikeouts at that particular point in time. So it always made sense to me in my head that it was supposed to be Nolan Ryan. Mm-hmm. Not Tom Seaver. Yeah. Doesn't really matter who the pitcher is. But yeah. we just know he's awesome, and he's got a yeah. hundred mile hour fastball. Yeah. And while all this is going on, we also have the announcer who's doing these <laughs> these, these great these great uh, baseball the pun pitches. Yeah. Oh, for the, the yeah. Home. yeah. Schleck and Schleck always there to bring yeah. you home. Yeah. Whether it's a ground out, a fly yeah. out, or a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, we, so, first, we, yeah, we have the first pitch. So the people in the stands too. We've got the great <laughs> interaction in the crowd. Like, yeah, yeah. The one old guy. Yeah. Uh, so first pitch, second pitch, Sam can't even think about swinging, and then the third pitch comes in, and like, it's like the hero shot. Like Sam well, thinks Sam thinks he's just gonna hit it just because he's the hero. And there's even this reference that's made to the natural at one mm-hmm. point. It's like, who do you think you are, Roy Hobbs? There's the lightning strike. Right. Now mm-hmm. we're in slow motion. The music is almost kind of like the natural, mm-hmm. and it's like in that movie. Spoiler alert: He hits the ball so hard he knocks the cover off of it. Like sure. it's it's an amazing moment, you know. Yeah. And and yet here in Quantum Leap, what happens? Big whiffer. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. It's just, I love, like, slow motion, not making contact with the ball at all. Big whiffer. Right. Uh, but, wild pitch, catcher drops, catcher drops the ball. ball. Yep. Uh, in case you don't know baseball rules, that means the, the batter can make a run for first base. 
And lo and behold, catcher the, overthrows. Catcher overthrows the first base. By the time they get the ball, Sam's at third base. They overthrow third base. Sam comes in, close call. Slides in. Slides in at home. He's All this is hero. going on. In slow motion, hair's flapping in the breeze. Al, Al is yelling. Al is like, shouting. Him what yeah. him. Uh, what's funny is uh, the the book that we've been referencing. They talk about like in the in the French version, they actually. They actually overdub Al's voice in French, <laughs> shouting, "You can do it, go!" Oh my God. Shouting those, shouting those things in French. But anyway, he hits home plate, slides in, and he's safe. Yeah, team runs out. Everybody's adoring him. He's the hero. He's the hero, and he leaps. And he leaps. Our first, yeah, yeah. Our, our first leap, proper leap, as, as we think of, in right into the next episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that is, yeah. And then he's standing at the chalkboard. He spins around. He is obviously a professor, like wearing the professor garb, pipe, pipe hanging out of his mouth. Yeah. Adoring women staring at him. Pipe falls out of his mouth. And created by Donald P. Belisario. There it That's is. how we know yeah, yeah. that the episode is is over. And we've come to the close of, of the pilot. Yeah. Um So yeah, I, uh, Jessica, final thoughts about the pilot episode. Uh I I liked it. Way more than I thought it was going to. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to watching some more. I don't know if I could make it through all. What is it? Five seasons? Yeah, mm-hmm. five seasons. Yeah, five seasons. Ninety-seven episodes, depending on how you want to count the two-parters. But I like the, the fact that it seems like it's something you could sort of pop in and out. Yeah, you sure. You don't have to uh-huh. necessarily see everything in a row. Um, I do think it was interesting, too, that there were the, the two leaps, or the two characters that he was in, where it seems like in the future, I'm guessing, there's only one per episode. Oh, did we talk about the second mirror moment? Of him looking in and seeing Tim Fox? Yeah, seeing Tim Fox so. back at mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. A better, yeah. A better matchup. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a really, it was, uh, it was, it was a cool moment. So yeah, going forward, it's usually one leap per episode, yeah. but it's interesting to note that early on, Donald Belisario, he had this idea of sometimes doing two or three leaps an episode, mm. and they're all being self-contained stories, and that in syndication they would mix and match them. Oh, um, wow. Interesting. That yeah. ended up not happening. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, yeah. too, to think that the uh, that the episode that he leaps into next, Starcrossed, which we're left with at the end there, was not actually supposed to be the next episode. Mm-mm. It was supposed to be uh, Double, Double Identity. Identity, and then Starcrossed was supposed to come, like, two episodes after that one. Mm-hmm. Um and, and they, they change that around. We'll talk more about that later when we get to the second episode. But it is just interesting to think that um, the production order ended up being different from the air date order, which is not something all that for sure. out of the ordinary for television, especially at that time. Yeah. And it's interesting, since we're talking about that to touch on, is that whenever they were showing the show, like both first run and in uh, reruns, even in syndication, they would take the time, if they were airing the episodes out of order... They would actually take the time mm. to splice in the leap. what the next episode actually that was going to air was. But when they put the episodes on DVD and Blu-ray, they didn't do that. And so a lot of times, like you, you have repeats. Yeah. But they would not show like the true leap into the next episode on Blu-ray. They put in wherever they had Sam leaping the next week. So if he was leaping into a rerun, it went to an episode that 
if you're a fan and you're following the show, you you've already seen it. So I think this. So I think the second episode, he leaped into the color of truth three or four times <laughs> because that was a really popular first season episode, yeah. and they were trying to get people to watch that one well, as many times as possible. And, and also, it's interesting because the the initial leap uh, out of the pilot episode was also changed because they used it as the lead into the season two premiere. So at one point in time, the the final leap in the pilot episode had been changed to the the leap into the honeymoon episode on the train. Uh, in season two, the first the first run of the season two premiere, mm-hmm. they aired the pilot episode prior to that, and so they they changed the leap at the end to go into that season two premiere. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dennis, final thoughts. Uh, my final thoughts. Uh, this show gets a lot of flack from fans. I got a lot of flack from critics for being slow, and it does go slower than most episodes. But I also think it allows a lot of character moments that a lot of the hour episodes don't get to explore just because of time. Yeah. Uh, is this the first episode I would have someone watch to introduce them to the series to get them to fall in love with it? Probably not, but I think it's it's a very worthy episode in the in the history of the series. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting to think that critics um, you know, were not necessarily too kind to it at first. There were there were some that, that did not like it at all. Um, that did you know think it was slow or silly and and, and weren't on board with it. Uh, but there was enough, uh, I, I think, support um, that that you know they, they I think they knew they had something. Mm-hmm. Um, are there things that I would change about it? Sure, but for the most part, I mean, it, it stands really really well. I don't think it's really that slow. I mean, in this day and age where we're used to, you know plot lines being dragged out over a season long, etc. I, I think that this is, you know, a little bit different. Um, I will say that uh, the ratings for this episode, it got a 14.9, mm-hmm. which actually would make it the highest rated episode in the entire series. Um, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they hyped it up a lot. They did hype concept. it up a lot, yeah. yeah. Um, so it had a lot of eyes on it. Um, not everybody came back, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know... Um, but for the most part, I, I love it. It's got some of my favorite moments of the whole series. Uh, you know, mostly the phone call. Um, a lot is established about who Sam is and about why we should care about this person and why we want to see what he's going to do. And uh, I think that that's essential. Uh, you need that. Otherwise, why would we come back? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to continue this this journey and revisit the show. Uh and, and get more fresh eyes on it. So thank you, Jessica, for Anytime. coming along, being Thanks, 2017 yeah. eyes, you know, on the show. And we will see you next week on The Next Leap. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.
Close.